Blog Talk Radio. If you want groceries in your basket, be with news. If you want food upon your table, be with news. If you want jobs, 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 and prosperity, be with news, be with news. Thank you once again for coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the growing conservative conversation, and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. Tonight we are going to discuss the Newt Gingrich uh, to be the VP pick for Donald Trump. Uh, as you probably know, it has not quite happened yet, uh, but we will discuss that. Uh, and this, I would say, pretty close. I know he's going to wait till July to announce it, and, you know, there still could be others. Uh, but I know, uh, just for example, if this gives you an idea, uh, last week, Sean Hannity, and I'll tell more about the uh, the song later, uh, that song was actually from when Newt Gingrich was running for the GOP 2012 nomination that a grassroots supporter uh, created that song, and there's more to it. And perhaps we'll play all of it uh, tonight on the show. Uh, got a little uh, nice little tune there. That was from 2012 when he was running for GOP uh, nomination. But anyway, back to the poll that uh, Sean Hannity put out uh, last week is uh, asking who should be the vice presidential pick uh, for Donald Trump. And Newt Gingrich got 24%. Now, of course, we know that's not a scientific poll, uh, but it is to those who uh, watch the show who you would presume would be conservatives. And he was at 24%, and behind him was Marco Rubio, 10 points back with 14%. Uh, and so what we'll have here uh, is uh, more. And we also there was a Newsmax where it looks like Gingrich is on the top of the list uh, in order to be the vice presidential candidate. And I do have some people on the line, and those who want to call in, give us a call at 347-945-7428 and push the one on your number dial uh, when you would like to get in. I appreciate it. Now, earlier tonight, we were supposed to have Christina Tobin on, uh, but we rescheduled her, uh, and she's the founder of Free and Equal. Uh, we've rescheduled her for next week because uh, she hasn't been feeling well uh, for past weekend or so, and so we want to get you know help her to get an opportunity to rest, uh, you know, so that she can be nice and refreshed next week uh, to have her come on. Uh, we're also uh, looking forward to uh, some upcoming guests as well that uh, we don't have concrete plans yet, so we will not uh, be announcing them. Now uh, earlier this week, probably starting Saturday. Uh, 
you know, we were waiting for uh, the folks to see if they were going to come on, plus another guest uh, we were looking to have on. Uh, but perhaps he'll be come on on uh, at another time. And since Saturday up till today, uh, your host here has been suffering from migraines uh, all day and pretty much <laughs> uh, all night. So uh, what we're going to do tonight is, of course, we are going to have our roundtable discussion and talk about uh, Newt Gingrich as the VP pick for Donald Trump. And if you have someone else in mind and a good reason why, uh, for someone else to be his pick, uh, you're welcome to give us a call as well at 347-945-7428. Uh, just push the one on your number dial, and we'll get you in. Uh, but while you're at it, uh, while you're waiting, check out the petition that we have on. If you're either uh, there on Facebook or here on Blog Talk Radio, and you can see the link to the uh, petition that we're going to have that we have out, it just started a few days ago. Uh, please uh, take some time to sign it and, of course, share it to your social uh, media, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn. You can also email it uh, to get more folks. Let's make this go viral. Now, while he, you know, he does get a lot of support all, uh, from all over, uh, definitely showing uh, our support as well through the petition uh, where we are planning on sending it to the Gingrich campaign and Ben Carson, because Carson has been picked to uh, be the person vetting the VP picks for Donald Trump. And also, I know this has been talked about perhaps Chris Christie uh, being the VP pick, but I don't think that's going to happen either, because I believe he's uh, appointed him or assigned Chris Christie to be the head of the transition team, or the tra- you know, doing the transition uh, for uh Trump. So we'll see how that passes on. And we are going to go ahead and get Cindy in. And what I've got lined up for us tonight is, you know, going to play some audio, uh, just different clips that we've had since 2012 for Newt. Uh, and then we'll talk more about the in context. So you can hear, you know, I'm sure you've heard him so on TV. You may have not heard uh, what himself and other people have said about Newt, so we're going to have that with commentary tonight. Uh, as I said, didn't have a lot of time due to migraines to do as much show prep for you, but I still want to make sure we have material uh, for the folks uh, for the show, whether you're listening live now or if you listen to the podcast. Um, I was also uh, was sending out to some multiple folks uh, through email, avoid uh, having some uh, difficulties and some technical difficulties with that, uh, but I have been working on it. We'll get that pounded uh, pound out. So first, let's go ahead and bring in Cindy. Uh, thank you very much, Cindy, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? What do you think about that uh, that Sean Hannity poll that he did last week where he has uh, Newt Gingrich with 24% of the, of the votes, at least for those who voted on his website, Hannity or Hannity.com, uh, that Gingrich took, as I said, 24% of that. Of the plurality. And what were the and and what were the well what were the other um what sure. were the other percentage? And the se- second place was Marco Rubio at fourteen percent, and then under him was a montage, I guess, of others because it just says other at fourteen percent, and then after that was Ben Carson was three thirteen, Cruz at seven, uh, Kasich at. Uh, I'm sorry, Cruz at nine, Kasich at seven, uh, Sarah Palin at five, Huckabee at um, five, 
Uh, Christy at three, and it looks like Perry uh, got 2%. We've actually got others. Uh, Scott Walker also got 2%. Jindal and Santorum got 1%, and Walker got less than 1%. So you see 24%, Alice, you know, looks like almost a dozen candidates there. Uh, not, not, not a bad showing for Newt. Well, I I think it's awesome, and I think it's very telling because the people who supported Newt last year, I think the most part of them have gone to the Trump camp. Now, I, I have to say, I, I have you know seen several Cruz people on here um, that did not support him, and I saw several that uh, supported um, uh, Rick Santorum last time. That won't support Trump. Um, there's there's a there's a group of people out there, and I would, I guess I'm going to have to say they're probably um, evangelical Christians. Um, now I I want to say that I am one of those, and so um, you know don't say that I'm, you know, putting those people down. They're my own brothers and sisters in Christ. But what I am saying is. They have been, hmm, the wool's been pulled over their eyes about who is conservative and who isn't. They most, for the most part, are listening to um, Fox News and believing everything Fox News and Bill O'Reilly and all those guys are saying. And they are all making it look, uh, appear that Trump is not a conservative, that he has no policy, um, uh, he's got no no, no stands on policy or anything. All of that is a bunk. All of that is bunk. And Newt Gingrich is calling them out on that. And I think that's one reason why so many people are gravitating towards Newt Gingrich because he is calling them out. Um, he's calling out Fox News. He's calling out um, the uh, the left. He's, he's calling out all these people that are saying that um, uh, that Trump is not a conservative and Cruz is. So it does not surprise me at all that people are, you know, you know, winding up in these polls supporting him. Now, I have put the petition on um, on the web, but I, I have to say the only people that I have actually submitted it to are my own Facebook friends and the groups that I belong to. Now, the 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 petition's been out there uh, like three and a half days. And we have got now 345 signatures, which tells me we're getting about 100 signatures a day. I'd like to mm-hmm. see that raise up, uh, you know, a little higher. I'd like to see maybe two or 300 a day. Um, <clears throat> and if we get 1,000 signatures, um, this particular petition company, um, this site, is going to put us on their front page. And so forget how many? Be, it's to get a thousand. So oh, wow. now I I only just today, just this evening actually, put the petition onto Newt's website. Now, all you can do if you really want to get the petition on is comment under his posting. You can't post on Newt's page. So I have to wait and see if Newt wants to post that. Um but he's probably not going to if you ask me. But several no, places. No, pretty I, modest about it. Several, yeah, on several of his posts, I have posted that 
um, the, the link to the petition in the comments. Um, so we'll see what happens if anybody picks it up. He did a, um, about six hours ago or so, seven hours ago, he did another one of his live Facebook discussions and question, question answer period, you know. And, man, mm-hmm. I sure wish I had put this up there. I wished I had known that he was doing that and could have got this up there during that live Facebook thing. So that would have really got us a lot of signatures, I believe. We'll just have to wait and see if people go back and uh, read other comments. All right. Um, as far as Cruz, I mean, look where Cruz is in the um, in that poll, like 7%. Now, you have to ask yourself, what does that mean? People are more inclined to have Rubio than Cruz, and yet Rubio stay uh, got out of the race even sooner than Cruz. So, you know, you have to think, what's going on? And there's such a smattering of both. Um, it's a it's a it's a regular mixture of both conservatives and establishment type candidates that people are, you know, rallying behind uh for VP. Um, you know, I think that from the things that Sean Hannity's been saying on his show, I think he really does support Newt Gingrich and I think he'll I think that's one reason he's allowing in fact he's on Newt's show tonight and I'm missing it because of the show <laughs> because of our show. But um anyway, uh and I guess all the phones are hanging up everywhere now <laughs> that I said that. Anyway, um <laughs> he is um he's been putting on he's been putting Newt Gingrich on his show a lot lately. And uh, mm-hmm. I think Possibly that is because he wants people to get to know Newt. He wants people to be as sold on Newt as he is. At least that's just my opinion. He has never said such a thing, okay? He's never said that. So that's strictly my opinion. Anyway, I'm glad to hear about the poll. And um, I hope that everyone who listens to this blog talk show will please go to tell you where you're going to go here. You're going to standunited.org and then you're going to put um, Gingrich for Trump's VP slash Gingrich for Trump's VP. That's what you want. So that's... um. Once again, standunited.org slash Gingrich for Trump's VP. All righty. Thank you, Cindy. Yeah, and definitely, and, and when you sign it, definitely uh, send it out to your emails on your Facebook, on your you know, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, also on your uh, email, email them out. Uh, you know, things of that nature. Uh, and then while you're doing that, for the folks who are on the line now, if you don't have yet uh, listened to uh, or um, signed the petition, uh, sign it while you're listening to this. Uh, and I played this clip, I believe, maybe, uh, 
in the last week uh, on mention, this is Michael Reagan. Go ahead. Let me mention one more thing about the petition. It is a petition that right. does not come with a fundraiser, fundraiser at the end. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. It is a petition that does not have any type of fundraiser. That's true. Normally, uh, yeah, when you do that, there's a, a you know somebody asking for money afterwards. That is not the case uh, with this petition. Just sign it, and I don't even think you have to make a comment uh, to, to to sign it. Uh, so you can just uh, sign it. So it's not asking for your first and last name or anything of that nature. I believe it's just your you know first name, last initial, perhaps, and uh, the zip code. You know, I guess to get an idea, you know, where everyone's coming uh, from. Uh, but while you're out there and you are signing the petition, if you have not, or if you are sharing. Uh, the petition either on uh, Facebook, Twitter, you know, LinkedIn, your emails, wherever you have social media. Uh, because as she said, you know, we get a thousand signatures, you know, they'll put it up on, uh, you know, what, what page is that again, Cindy? It is standunited.org slash Gingrich for Trump's VP. And you can also uh, find the link here on Blog Talk Radio as well. And I almost kind of feel like it's funny, Cindy. I, also, I kind of feel like one of those uh, marathon people who are like, call us now and you'll get this watch, you know, whatever, if you join PBS or whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's, it's certainly not like that. Uh, we, we just definitely want to get the word out. Yeah, it does look like, you know, that a lot of folks are out there supporting uh, for Gingrich to be there. But, I mean, let's go ahead and just and, and push it even further. Uh, with other folks, you know, doing as well. Yeah, he's he's winning the polls. Uh, yeah, you know, he's uh, – I've seen something on Newsmax, actually, that it says uh, Gingrich at this point looks like he's uh, maybe at the top of the list. So let's go ahead and push that over, uh, folks. So while you're doing that, sharing that out and signing the petition yourself, whether you're doing it here now live on the show or you are listening to uh, the podcast and doing it, let's go ahead and hear from – you know, it says new at the Ronald Reagan dinner. Uh, so let's hear about that. It is a, a decent sized clip. It's about 10 minutes, uh, but I'm sure there's going to be some good stuff in there. And these are my clips that are back, from back in 2012. So you're not going to hear redundant things of what you've heard uh, in 2016 from new. Like, oh, well, you know what? I've, I've, I've already heard that. I've already, uh, you know, heard him say that on TV, CNN, uh, or probably, you know, not CNN, but, you know, probably uh, in either of something separate or on Fox News. Uh, but this is stuff uh, from four years ago that we came on the clips, and that, and we'll go from there. Uh, let's go ahead and listen to that. If I can get started. Never mind the music. We don't run. We don't run. We don't run. Thank you very much for inviting us here. Thank you for participating as free citizens in this very important process of self-government. This is a national conversation. It's an opportunity for the American people to talk about where we are, who we are, what we value, and what we're trying to accomplish. And Matt, I want to thank you as the chairman for the job you're doing to be so enormously helpful here, the job you did last year uh, in helping win a key number of very key elections that are changing Iowa. In addition, it's great to be back with Senator Grassley. He and I worked together back in 1984 on a project called Gasahall. For those of you who are younger, that's what uh, 
happened a long time ago uh, before it became ethanol. We also worked together when I was Speaker to save it in the late 1990s. I have a very simple principle on why I'm for ethanol. I believe if my choice is for money to go to Iran or go to Iowa, I pick Iowa. If my choice is for money to go to Saudi Arabia or South Dakota, I pick South Dakota. It's not very complicated. I'm delighted that you are committed to re-electing Congressman Latham and Congressman King, and I'm here in part to urge you to add two more Republican members uh, to the Iowa delegation next year so we have the momentum to govern in 2013 because we need the Congress as well as the presidency in order to bring America back and to rebuild the country that we love. I think you can do it because I think the election by next October is going to be very clear. I'm, I'm really proud of my colleagues who have been here tonight. Each of them brings unique things and unique characteristics. The fact is that Ron Paul has been consistently correct about the need to audit the Federal Reserve, to limit it, and to return to a policy of a dollar as sound as gold, so if you save a dollar 20 years later, it's still worth a dollar. And it's great to have him as a candidate. The only first candidate I know who's explained monetary policy. Rick Perry was my mentor on the Tenth Amendment and the importance of implementing it. He has a number of tremendous ideas. I agree with, with most of his energy policy, which I think is exactly in the right general direction. Uh, and I'm delighted that part of the debate we're going to have is about whose flat tax is better. Uh, and I think it's a, a significant idea that you now have a 999 plan and you have two candidates with flat taxes. You, you have real effort to think through on the Republican side what we need to do as a country to be competitive and to be prosperous and to be successful. Michelle Bachman deserves a lot of credit. Not only did she stand up to the Republican leadership at times when she was virtually alone, but in addition, she was the first person to introduce a bill uh, to repeal the Dodd-Frank bill, which is one of the most destructive bills crippling our economy today. I think she and Steve King were in a race to see who would be the first to introduce a bill to repeal Obamacare. Uh, and they have the, these, are, these are powerful ideas. No one has done more to try to arouse America to understand the challenge of radical Islamists, to understand the dangers in Syria and in Iran, than Rick Santorum. And I think I can't tell you how proud I am of the courage he's shown year after year in wanting to serve his country and to leave his children with a better future. So I look at... I look at my colleagues. This is a great group. There are a couple I wish were here tonight, and I would have said nice things about them. But we'll skip over that. I am here with very fine competitors, but no opponents. We only have one opponent. That's Barack Obama. <laughs> Calista and I are delighted to be back. I think uh, with maybe the only campaign whose national campaign manager, Michael Kroll, is from Iowa. Uh, he and Calista first met at Luther College in Decorah, and her ties here are pretty real and pretty deep. But in addition, we're glad to be back because I want to bring a very simple and a very clear message. 
with your help on January 3rd, you can launch a candidacy, which if you go to newt.org, you'll see is the most substantive candidacy in modern times, laying out a 21st century contract with America. And I'm not going to go into it tonight, but it's going to grow and evolve from now till September 27th, when we will release a contract with America on the anniversary of the original contract in 1994. Then on October 1st, we'll release executive orders, which we will implement on day one of a Gingrich administration, the first of which will abolish all of the White House's ours as of that moment. I have two, and only two, arguments for why I hope you'll end up deciding to support me in the caucus, because my colleagues are good people, and they're worthy of your concern. The first is, I am the only candidate in this race who, at a national level, has balanced the budget four consecutive years, led an effort across the system for the first tax cuts in 16 years, led an effort which led unemployment to drop from 5.6 to 4.2 percent, and created a national majority for the first time in 40 years, and the first re-elected national majority for the first time since 1928. What we What we are faced with is the results of a radical ideology and an inexperienced, incompetent president. And I would simply suggest I would simply suggest that to get the scale of change we need, we need somebody who understands the legislative branch, somebody who understands how to get things done in Washington, and somebody who has a track record of having built a national movement that can, in fact, bring pressure to bear in Washington. And starting with the years that I've studied with Ronald Reagan, about whom Calista and I made a movie, uh, I think I have that background in a fairly unique kind of way. But there's one other reason, which comes up again and again when people talk about the debates. As your nominee, I will challenge Barack Obama to seven Lincoln-Douglas-style debates of three hours each with a timekeeper and no moderator. I will concede that he can use a teleprompter. And I predict to you, and many of you will find this surprising, I predict to you in the end he will accept for two reasons. First, a matter of ego. How can a Harvard Law Review editor, the greatest orator in the modern Democratic Party, admit to being afraid to be on the same platform with a West Georgia college professor? <laughs> but second, because I am a historian and I actually study history, and unlike President Obama, I actually study American history, I know how Lincoln set up Douglas. 
Lincoln had been out of office. He'd only served one term as a, as a House member. He was out of office for 10 years as a practicing attorney. Douglas was the most famous senator in the United States and presumed to be the next president. When Lincoln announced, he said, there are 105 days in the campaign. Let's debate every day. And Douglas said, I don't think so. And Lincoln began following him. Wherever Douglas appeared, Lincoln would come the next day. And after about three weeks, Will Douglas figured out that the newspaper coverage was always Lincoln's answer and not Douglas's speech. So I promise you, if you will help me on January 3rd, if I end up as the nominee, in my acceptance speech, if the President has not yet agreed, I will announce that from that date forward for the rest of the campaign, the White House will be my scheduler, and wherever the President appears, I will appear four hours later. Thank you, good luck, and God bless you. Okay, we've got Kelly on the line, uh, so make some comments here, and then uh, we'll bring it around to you, Cindy, and then uh, to myself. Uh, thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hey, doing all right. We still have lots of sunshine here in California. Uh, beautiful day. Yep, it's um, dark here. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's Bar's Logic after dark all the time. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, Gingrich has. Uh, consistently surprised me with all the clips you've been playing, and it, it just—I'm amazed with him. I am studying his communication style, and he can speak very simply. He kind of does a few words, short pause, a few more words, short pause, a few more words. That's kind of his uh, verbal sentence structure, if you will. Even though um, several pauses in a sentence, it's, it's, he's terribly clear to understand. Um, or delightfully clear, I should say. And then you got um, Gingrich's wit, which is funny. I, you know, I studied American history, and uh, not like Obama. <laughs> um, I, I loved how he embraced other members uh, of the party, even though they were running against him. Um, you know, man, Ron Paul, um, Rick Santorum, uh, Rick Perry. You know, da da da. It was like, wow, that's really impressive. I mean, obviously he he's he's a unifier, which is really important. And like, what's going on now? with Paul Ryan is uh, well, well, I don't know if I can accept Trump as the uh, presumptive nominee. Uh, or, uh, come on, guys. Um, um, by the way, Macklemore was on uh, Kelly Files, Megan Kelly, and uh, <laughs> they were buddy buddy. It was amazing of Michael Moore and Megan Kelly. And uh he's been on the show a number Michael of times. Michael Moore, you and, said? Yeah, Michael Moore, yes. The guy that hates our guns. You're not talking about the jelly donut Michael Moore, are you? Yeah, oh yeah, that's the guy. Oh my gosh. First, he, he should have been a cop. Okay. Anyway, um So he said he said, Oh, I knew Trump was gonna win last summer when he announced it. I knew he was gonna win the Republican nomination and so I was like, What? Yeah, I knew he was going to win. So you got this guy that just totally hates Republicans, and he can acknowledge he can acknowledge Trump as the presumptive nominee, and our and, and our own party, Trump's own party, the main people can't. What's going on with that? But Newt brings a different perspective in his 
Um, I don't know when the last time I've heard a candidate go ahead and say, you know, Ron Paul, actually, what do you know? He likes some things of Ron Paul. Ron Paul this is really good, and Rick Santorum, Rick Perry. And it was kind of cute. He said, you know, well, some people not here today. Otherwise, I'd say good things about them, but we'll skip that. <laughs> and there was Romney who was missing. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that was well, probably a few others. Well, yeah, it wasn't even, uh, this was in, uh, what, December 2012 or 11, 2011, before the January mm-hmm. 3rd, 2012 election in Iowa. Um, how did you do in Iowa, by the way? Did you get second or third, or how did you do? Yeah, I said, I'll have to look that up, to be honest. I I, I can't recall. Where came I know Santorum, well, Santorum got first. Well, at first it was Romney got first, and they had to switch it. And I knew actually before it was official and mainstream, but Rick Santorum officially won from the switch of Romney to Santorum. Oh, but that was after New Hampshire was over. All right, so you had Santorum, Romney, and I want to say either Ron Paul or Newt Gingrich got third. Um, and then, uh, of course, in South Carolina, uh, Newt Gingrich got number one because, of course, he was from South Carolina. So. Um, yeah, he had a good shot. Uh, I'd I'd love to I'd love to uh, go see New Gingrich live and just and just listen to him. Um, oh, I, I got the opportunity uh, here. That was awesome. Oh, you did? Okay, with like the, the room packed. Mm-hmm. Oh did, yeah, you know, certainly it was. Ron Paul was doing somewhat like Donald Trump, where packing auditorium yeah, got- even in. UCLA and Berkeley and Chico, which are very liberal colleges, and um, Romney would have these things, and the camera would always sneak up right behind the um, first three rows. Oh, wait a minute. It didn't have to sneak because there wasn't very many people behind the first three rows sitting anywhere. That was weird because there were spectators that came and, and said, oh, look, Romney's got a lot of people, and then he'd back up where Romney was speaking and the chairs were empty. <laughs> it happened over and over. It was weird. But that's cool to hear Gingrich pack the uh, his speaking engagement. Um, I would be surprised if it was standing room only. But, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I got really there like at 6.30 Gingrich. in the morning. He didn't get there till like 11. So I, I got there really early to make sure I could. <laughs> was, was there standing room uh, at times too only. Oh yeah, it was yeah, it was packed. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, in, in twelve, I wasn't too excited about Gingrich, um, but I'm getting more excited about him now. Um, and maybe he has. I mean, yeah, he got the council foreign relations things, but maybe he didn't know any better and he totally went away. Um, and and that I, was I think Cindy does a really good job explaining explaining that. Go ahead. Yeah, I'd like to hear Cindy's input on that one. But then the uh, – I didn't realize he had, had uh, worked on a balanced budget for, was it, did he say, four years in a row? Yeah, also I got mean, uh, – uh, yeah. He also got what? Yeah, and, that, and, he's, all, and he's well, he's also, you know, whatever that Trump's been looking for. I mean, he says he wants somebody who knows how to get things passed through Congress. You know, of course, and, I mean, no one really has the same – Type of experience that Gingrich does, that's for certain. Yeah. You know, it's possible. We talked about the age thing um, as VP. 
because there was um, Ford ran for president after Nixon. Uh, he was VP. You had uh, Bush Jr. after Reagan. Of course, that was planned. And then, uh, not Bush Jr., Bush Jr. And then Bush Jr. came in after his dad. You know, Clinton kind of stuck in there for eight years in between. But, um, of course, Al Gore ran. Um, climate man or climate savior. I don't know what you want to call him. Put a superhero cape on Al Gore. And, well, I think <laughs> what happened politically is Al Gore put on his super, as vice president, put on his superhero cape and politically jumped off the building and crashed. But uh, anyway, um, so another possibility with Gingrich is that Trump can take him on for four years and then the next time pick a different vice president if Trump runs for a second time with the age thing. I, I, I can absolutely see the need, and I can agree with you that Gingrich is really somebody Trump could use or utilize or the assistance that Gingrich could give Trump would be stunning um, for dealing with the Congress and the ropes of the ship, if you will. Because you don't know the ropes of the ship. All the other sailors are going to hate you, even if you're the commander. So there's a definite need uh, for the assistance of Gingrich there. Um, has Gingrich come out and officially supported Trump yet? No, did Gingrich yes. go? I, I never heard. Oh, yes. Go yes, ahead, he Tony. Has. Oh, yes. He has he officially uh, endorsed him? I can't say that he stood in front of a press conference and endorsed him, and I don't think that he can um, and still work at Fox News. Um, however, right. That's Hannity, true. Hannity did everything but endorse, uh, endorse Trump today on his radio show. So I don't know. Maybe if we had listened to Gingrich just now on Hannity's show – Maybe that's what he was doing. I can't really say for sure now. And I have not seen him actually stand in front of a, a group of people in a press release and, and support him. However, I do know that he's been supporting him all along. Um, and ever since Cruz dropped out, he said, we have, to, we have to rally behind Trump. We have to support our GOP nominee. He keeps saying that over and over again. And like, um, like he said in that... Um, clip that you just played a little while ago, even last year, uh, I mean, last election, the one he ran in last election cycle, um, he, he definitely, you know, supported Romney after it became, you know, after he became the, the nominee. Oh, I know. I'm talking about so, loyalty to the party. That even made me mad yeah. a little bit, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I was mad at him too, but, you know, you, you have to look at um, where we got from there. We uh, I'm not saying that Romney would have been a whole lot better than Obama, but I can't imagine it being any worse. So um, I think I would have, I would have, I would believe that our um, Congress, our Republican Congress, would have been able to work with Romney a whole lot better and uh, been able to implement some conservative uh, legislation with Romney, um, whereas we, we couldn't get anything done with with Obama. But anyway, what was it you wanted me, what was I supposed to explain better? Um, Gingrich's, um, Gingrich's 
connection as a member of the Council on Foreign Relations? Well, you know, I don't know a lot about it. I just know this. Gingrich is an information gatherer. Gingrich goes anywhere and talks to anybody if it will get him information on something. He is a constant learner. He never stops learning, and he never stops giving knowledge. And and in my view, his his work on the uh, his uh, membership on the Council on Foreign Relations, which he is no longer a member, by the way. But anyway, for a while he was. He followed them to see what they were doing and to see if he could make any contribution to that area. But I think what he found out was that he could not make a contribution there because mm-hmm. he, he found the same thing you and I know about it, that it's controlled by the New World the New World Order, the One World Order gang, and they weren't interested at all in what was going to be best for the United States, um, whereas I believe that's why Newt um, wanted to be there to, you know, do make make a study of it and find out if he could contribute anything that would um, create a better foreign policy for America, not the rest mm-hmm. of the world or the, the one world, you know, the small world. Yeah, the new government. world order. You know, yeah. it's really, it's, it's good to hear. Um, first, I'd like to have that confirmed somehow. Um, well, the only way well, we'll to confirm today that is that, that yeah, it's hard to find this stuff. I, I, I've looked, and I think the reason I'm, I think it's out there, but I think, you know, there's people actually, you know, when you go on Google, the, the more something's looked up, uh, the, the top of the list it goes to, on, on Google. So if, you know, you and me or whoever does research on Google tries to look that up, I mean, they're just going to, you know, good luck because those people who professionally, you know, who are out there who just all day long, that's all they do is they make sure that, uh, what they want to, um, you know, be on the top of the of the search engines to get there. Well, it could be a biased report. It could be, I mean, something more official or his aide or something. Something leaks out that, yeah, he went there to check them out. He realized they're not working for the best interests of America. He went there to get information, like Cindy's suggesting, and then he said, "Look, you guys, you're not helping America. I'm done." Walks out. So that's a very real possibility, and even Alex Jones, who can't stand the New World Order, I mean, foams at the mouth when you say, uh, foams at the mouth in hate when you say New World Order. He's been invited to some of these strange, bizarre meetings, and he goes just to learn. Sometimes uh, he shows up in secret. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's the other way, like Bohemian Grove and all that stuff. But Uh um, basically... Um, you know, what does Sun Tzu say? You know, the art of war? No, your enemy. No, your enemy. So maybe that was what was going on. Um, it would have benefited Newt. This would kind of tell you. Um, well, a number. If Newt came out and just said, look, I went there to learn from him, and I was done. I mean, just for him to come out and publicly say something like that is huge. Obviously, Ron Paul. If Ron Paul would have went to the um, CFR um, Council on Council on F the Republic, sorry, um, if, if <laughs> I didn't I didn't say the F word, I, I the F, know you did F word, not F word, F word. Okay, anyway, 
But if Ron Paul would have went to the CFR, he would have made it very clear to his constituents in some speech somewhere, somehow, some way, said, yeah, I went. Whatever they said about my enemy, mm-hmm. I left. Um, is that I think that hurt because when I was looking at Gingrich way early in, in uh, 2011, I'm like, yeah, I kind of like Gingrich. And, you know, a buddy says, well, hey, look at Ron Paul. Started watching some videos. And I'm like, whoa, Ron Paul is going straight at him with everything he's got. I, I just didn't quite see that from, from Gingrich. Or maybe Gingrich realizes there's some pretty powerful people in CFR. You don't tick them off, even though he might yeah. have hated them. He might have, you know, there's certain delicacies, if you will. And uh, I hate to use the word political correctness when you're a politician, but certain sensitivities and certain toes you don't step on. Strong Paul was not afraid to do that, and look what they did. They just retaliated back. But um, I don't know, maybe it went that way that he kind of like, Look, you know, you guys have your thing over there in your campfire, and I hope you burn yourself down. But I'm just going to stay away from you and not really talk about it much. I mean, that's another possibility why he didn't, or at least there's not any known denouncing of the CFR. what, What I'm saying is a lot of people who were like me, you know, I think it looks good, Contact America, I remember that, balance budget, this and that, no, 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 really good. But as soon as I heard CFR from somebody else, it was just like, oh, geez, I'm done. But I didn't look into it any deeper. Well, see, that's that's the issue. I think um, there may be many people who have gone to the CFR thinking that they were going there to make contacts, to get information, to give information, to maybe some of them just wanted to be a part of the gang that has all the power. Um, You know, I'm sure there's been a few infiltrators because somehow we know what goes on in there. Um, And I just, I just think that Newt is, is a non-confrontationist. First of all, Uh, you, you don't hear Newt uh, arguing too much with the people of his own party. And, uh, and and you have to, you know, you have to give him a little leeway for that because if the Republican Party is dismantled, um, where is the conservative voice going to be heard from? Okay, there is no other place for us right now. It will take years, and, and you know, it took the Republican Party from its inception uh, to its first presidential uh, nomination, it took 10 years to build the party, and basically um, it, it was because the whips were not listening to um, that that particular wing of the party's voices. Now, that's kind of what's going on right now. So if we were to dismantle the Republican Party, start, and if we could get everyone, there's so many parties now. There weren't all those parties back then, but if you know, if we could somehow get everyone to the same party, everyone that wants to defect from the GOP, if we could get them to the same party, then we could create a, a phenomenon uh, such as having a Abraham Lincoln in, in, in the tenth year of our, our, uh, our of our beginning. So Newt sees that as um, uh, as the long, as their long route around, Newt would like to see someone conservative get in there 
using kind of their same tactics, um, not tactics is what I'm, what I'm just saying is without um, angering the establishment. He thinks that you can get this done without angering the establishment. And uh, so if that's the case, and he is he is successful at um, getting, you know, Trump, if Trump asks him to be his VP, and they are, uh, and he's successful at helping Trump to win the nominee, uh, to win the election, and then help him to um, implement all those wonderful things that he um, has espoused, and Trump has has espoused, then we have a great chance of reinvigorating our party. Um, and you know what? We might lose some um, establishment types. And I say good riddance to bad rubbish because I happen to believe that they're a small minority because it's not the grassroots. It's not the people. It's not the people on the GOP rolls that are having problems. Uh, we're not. They're not the ones mostly that are having problems with Trump. It's the it's the establishment folks. It's the super delegates. It's those that are um, uh, in charge of the parties the whole party um, mechanism in each state, in each county, you know, around the world, around the nation. So, um, you know, if Newt can get in there without creating too many waves, he sees the way clear to do more. Because when you don't alienate everyone, they work with you better when um, when you're in charge. Well, let's, so let's anyway, let's, no, um, I, I like this. I like this. Let's go down this road. All right. Let's suppose that Trump named Gingrich. All right. And there's a feud right now in the Republican Party. Obviously, Gingrich is widely respected on the inside and the out. Uh, of course, you know, blaming liberals will hate anybody with an R behind their name. But let's just go down that road for insight, in-house, in-party. And, uh, Trump and him have a meeting. They talk for a couple hours. They go for dinner. They talk for a couple more, whatever. And uh, Gingrich has the ability to say amazingly good things about Trump. Could you imagine, um, you know, and if Gingrich does his own study, which he probably will, on Trump. So then uh, we're talking a few weeks later, Gingrich is going to be talking to some people saying, hey, look, buddy, we got to get the Republican Party strong. We can't have Hillary Clinton. And some of these fears and concerns you have about Trump, I don't think uh, I don't think he's what you're you're you've been told. And uh, you know, I had a really good talk with him. He sat down, and his heart's absolutely in the right place. And he's asking the VP, and I've accepted. And let's uh, we're we're going to work together. I think we really uh, could. You imagine all, especially the freshmen, freshman congressmen coming in, and even some of the younger freshmen, uh, younger congressmen, not freshmen, you know, say sophomore, juniors, whatever all the way up to some of the top who've been pushed around by the CFR or pushed around by the New World Order, that Gingers can go to them and say, hey, look, we've been pushed around too much by these good old boys who've been running things for too long, and maybe this is their chance to uh, get out from under their thumb. Um, Gingers would have enormous influence to the point where Congress could be 
turning around in favor of what Trump's trying to do because that's one of the. Um, so what if Trump's president, if Congress isn't cooperating, even though it's got this same color party, um, they're all Republicans. Well, so what? He's not you know, this is already this scenario. Later. The scenario you're describing has already happened. That's what happened when Newt Gingrich uh, signed the contract with America and swept in all those new uh, freshman congressmen. And then they got down to business and they pulled the old guys, the old guard, they pulled them along with them and even pulled along the Democratic President Clinton with them. So it's kind of he's already done that. And so that's what I would assume he would do again um, if given the chance. Wow, I mean, this this is really, you know, Trump's attitude is, have you done this before? Um, can you get it done this time? Well, and to me, it's looking like Gingrich is probably one of the best. I, I would put him in the top five of candidates um, well, right now for VP. I, I'd put I, him I, in the I, top I, first candidate. <laughs> well, the top first. I don't see. I say that to keep my options open in the sense, you know, us engineers yeah. we do this silly. Here's a here's a problem. Here's solution one, two, three, four, and number five. The last option is always the do nothing option in these professional reports. So I'm, I'm just leaving this late. But top five, at least for me, I mean that's a change for me because I, I haven't studied Newt as seriously as you guys have. Um, I, I you know okay, let's put Ron Paul in as a VP candidate. Eh, eh, we're going to the Republicans are going to fight, kick, scratch, and scream. Trump's not yeah. going to get much done. Okay, yeah. he's not going to get much done. So, um, I, I and you can't really. I can't go with Rand Paul because he, he kind of, uh, he did in. He he just did a lot of establishment bending over and kissing butt kind of things. I I don't know. And and he's and he's not strong enough in in uh, in anti-terrorism. Well, yeah, I, I I think Gingrich. You know, you guys are winning me over. Is what I'm trying to tell you. On Gingrich, you're, you're definitely winning me over. Well, that's um, nice. But that's whatever. That's awesome. That's whatever. Some other tricks. I know one thing that people, uh, you know, had problems. You know, where they talk about. You know, you hear this all the time. And oh my gosh, you know, Newt sat down with Nancy Pelosi and uh, you know talked about global warming and and this and that. Let's go ahead and uh, hear an audio clip of Newt Gingrich addressing that. Forest TV. The world is thinking. Let's just sort of begin at the beginning um, with, with at least the question that historically has been the most controversial question here, and that is, to what degree are human beings contributing to global warming? Why don't we start with you, Mr. Gingrich? Newt, sorry. Well, well, I'm not sure that's where I thought you'd start, but let me just say, <laughs> because I, I'm not sure that that's the most important question about it the environment, be. but uh, as a historian... I doubt if we know. Uh, it is probable that carbon is a risk, and I argue in contract with the Earth that because I'm a, because I'm a conservative in the traditional sense, which means avoiding stupid risks, I think we should lower the carbon impact on the planet because the truth is we don't know for sure. But I, in fact, don't know to what extent the human race contributes to climate change. And let, me, let me just make this observation for all of you. The sun is overwhelmingly the dominant contributor to climate. Every 75,000 years in the Triassic, which is the first part of the age of the dinosaurs, we had fundamental changes 
in how the Earth operated because it would shift where its magnetic pole was and it would shift the amount of radiation it was getting. We've had a very long period of sunspots having an enormous impact on climate. 11,000 years ago, the entire process of the Gulf Stream stopped. In one morning, there was no Gulf Stream. When there was no Gulf Stream, there was no gigantic oceanic conveyor of heat to Europe. When you don't get the Gulf Stream in Europe, you get an ice age. For 600 years, you had an ice age. And for reasons we don't know, the Gulf Stream started. Now, it had been there before, and it came after. The ice age receded. The truth is, nobody knows this stuff. And I'm always dubious when scientists behave as politicians. When you see 11,000 scientists sign something, you know it's not science, it's politics. Because science is one person telling the truth and defending it with facts. But science is not 11,000 people signing a petition. So my first reaction is, I think we should behave as though global warming is a threat, and I think we should limit the carbon loading of the atmosphere as an act of prudence, but I couldn't possibly tell you what share of the climate we're creating, and I think it's an act of hubris on the part of humans to fantasize that they are more important than the sun. And that, folks, hopefully will clear a little bit up uh, for you uh, with him on climate change, regardless of him sitting on there. One, one thing that you know, I want to point out, as we all know here, at least those of us uh, who followed Duke for some time, is he's definitely a visionary. You know, he was coming from a different perspective, you know, on the topic of global warming or climate change or what have you. Uh, when he sat down on that uh, stairs or couch, I should say, with Nancy Pelosi, I mean, certainly, I mean, you know me, the host, you know, I'm an environmentalist. Does that mean you know, I'm a liberal? No, obviously not. That doesn't mean Gingrich is a liberal, that he wants to destroy our economy, you know, in order, you know, to, uh, you know, save the environment or save uh, some kind of uh, species on the little plot of desert land or something of that nature. Uh, but, you know, just, you know, re for one, I would always recommend, of course, reading the contract with the earth. That'll give you even a better indication. I know a lot of people don't have a lot of time you know, to, to read a whole book, uh, but heck, you could probably just Google a synopsis and parts of it on the internet. You could find anything pretty much on uh, the internet nowadays. Um, but yeah, so you know, they take a lot, a lot of it out of context. Uh, what they said, and I, I tell you what, and, and when we have a show talking about Hillary Clinton, and I tell you know <laughs> the thing that she said got uh, taken out of context the other day. Uh, about you know the, the coal miners putting the coal miners out of business. Uh, she wasn't. And then when somebody context, was actually coal miners, it was. A oh yeah, it was. She, but yeah, but she, she tried was, to say yeah. it was taken when she was talking to yeah when she was trying to talk to when she was talking to a miner she says oh well my words were taken out of context. <laughs> now one well, thing I, real quick, folks, uh, and I appreciate uh, you get uh, Carolyn um, sent it to us in the chat. Uh, it's a uh, an interesting, delicate tracker uh, that uh, she shared a link with us, and I'll, um, I'm there. And uh, if you want to check it out, I'm getting ready to put it on the uh, Bard's Logic Political Talk page there on Facebook. Uh, so once you're there, you can go ahead and check it out. It's a pretty pretty neat little uh, tracker. 
uh, Delegate Tracker Sue. Thank you, uh, Carolyn, for uh, sending that over to me. I've uh, put it here on the uh, Barnes Logical Talk page there on Facebook. So let me just... Um, you know, Kelly, earlier earlier Kelly talked about um, Newt's speaking style, um, uh, you know, how he kind of made his point and then kind of paused. And all. This is a typical teacher's style. This is, this is what you learn to do because you have to allow people to process your main points. If you go from one to the other, just bang, 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 then people don't get a chance to let that sink into their memory and uh, they can't take notes on it um, and it, it just makes people remember better what you said so you know that well, is it's, his, yeah his style is obviously it's working for him my style when I was younger my style was the uh, blah 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 gobbledygook and the uh, client turns to his account and says I have no idea what he says but just hang him so we can leave and not hear any more of this <laughs> you know but um when you're dealing with people and influencing, I've been mean, trying to study that seriously just to, you know, I mean, us engineers, we're just kind of, well, my favorite joke, you've heard it before, what do engineers use for birth control, their personalities? Um, <laughs> so, I've, I've had to change my communication style. I've had to get better at this. And who is doing a really, I, I really want to study a bunch of new videos just to learn his communication and he's got his wit. Again, I love his wit because way before I remembered the one about how Thomas Jefferson dealt with the judges, the corrupt judges during uh, Jefferson's presidency, and they booted a bunch out by just not by Congress not paying him, and he signed it. <laughs> and this is what well, he was not said. enamored with what they provided when he got back into United States, and and they had written this Constitution with with such humongous powers. He he called it a, a, a an oligarchy, a tyrannical oligarchy is what he said that and he warned that the Supreme Court could actually uh you know just take over um and and make the laws and, and guess what? That's exactly what's happened. Yeah, Marbury versus Madison where the court said, Well we ultimately decide not Congress what is or is not constitutional. And yes they were right, but at the same time was it a power grab? But yet they only render yep. their they render their opinion. <laughs> anyway, but back to uh, Gingrich. So Gingrich, I was watching this clip on him and judicial reform, which was really impressive. He went a lot more into it, but he was explaining, yeah, we got problems here with our federal judges. And I like Thomas Jefferson's plan where um, he realized the judges were getting too much power, and there was. Uh, a small block of them that were already corrupt, and Congress passed a law that we're not going to fund these people anymore. And so he explained historically what happened was Congress passed the defunding of certain judges. Jefferson gladly signed it and approved, and the judges that were getting fired were freaking out. And this is where Newt was just stellar in his, his wit. He said, yeah, at that time, these judges that lost their job went to the other judges and said, hey, can you help us with some kind of court things? And and the judges that were still in office said, are you out of your mind? They're going to come after us next. <laughs> just the way he did it with every, the whole crowd he was addressing. The whole crowd just busted up laughing. I'm just there myself watching this on YouTube. I busted up laughing. 
Um, he makes history interesting. I mean, obviously, I'm a big history fan. Obviously, I you know I call up people on Magna Carta Day and say Happy Magna Carta Day, and first year they say what? <laughs> anyway, yeah, I remember the first. Uh, uh, yeah, I remember the first day he did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of important to have a law about the king. That's one of the most yeah, important like, events what? in history. <laughs> Happy what? Yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm becoming enamored with new and, and the way he handled, you know, it, um, the way he handled the uh, climate change or whatever it was, he didn't go into the scientific much. He did say, as a historian, which was a brilliant within his area of expertise, and he did know. Well, can't explain it. The Gulf Coast current quit, and we had an ice age in Europe. And then it started again, don't know why. And he was subtly, and this is another powerful technique of an excellent communicator, he was subtly getting a point across that in the past, human beings had very little to do with the environment. Very stunning the way he did that. Um, humor, wit, stunning, uh, subtleties. Um, I mean, okay, put me in a time machine in 2012, I'll vote for you. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but I, I am... I'm just impressed with the man, period. I, I'm really, I mean, I know he's had his, his you know, marriage problems and such, but he, I think his heart's in the right place with bail budget, getting the judges straightened out, addressing climate change. And one of the things I found about his, the way he addressed it was, you know, science is even one man telling the truth. And actually, if you have a scientific fact, and the the proof, like you hit your brakes every time your car stops, that's science. No matter what all the opinion and spin makers say, look, this is science. You hit your brakes, your car stops, okay? Um, you only need one man to stand when you have a scientific truth. And that was another thing that he noted as he understands. I mean, science is, science is, can you finish the sentence? What is science? The pursuit of happiness. So, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Kelly. It, 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 knowledge. It's the study of knowledge. Right. Um, That's the basic definition. Well, okay. It, well, science seven is words. knowledge. It's, it's seven words. Science is but, the study of repeatable events. Okay. Science okay. is the study well, of repeatable events. Us engineers, we take that science and we create with it. And we do all, all sorts of amazing things. But anyway, um, so he... He understood a certain professionalism of science. I happen to respect the way he said it. It's one man standing, you know, on the truth, speaking the truth. And that's what it is. It's not all these uh, 11,000 people going political on you. And, by the way, I throw in my own thoughts about these people that signed all this. Oh, yeah, global change, you know. And, and Al Gore's silly and an, an inconvenient uh, blunder. I mean, an inconvenient truth for a movie thing. Um, I, I, I would just, I would, I would throw into suspicion, okay, about why these 11,000 scientists signed this document. It's because they needed grant funding for next year because they can't make it in the private sector. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's a lot of people down that, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, Let's go ahead and uh, open up the mic uh, for Susan. Uh, welcome to, to the show, Susan. How are you? Now, did I read a report right that uh, you got chosen for uh, jury duty? 
<laughs> yeah. I just got told today to just say, hey, if they're here, they're guilty. You know, oh, God. Which I'm don't sure Kelly can help you in some, some ways. Uh, to get to get out of jury duty, right, Kelly? <laughs> oh, we just lost Kelly. He's going to probably be able to tell you how to get out of jury duty. Uh, but uh, uh, there's this one thing you tell me, you know, about the uh, – oh, shoot, I'm having a brain freeze. This is what happens when you have five days in a row, folks, with a migraine. is awful. Don't ever do it, so I don't recommend it. Um, <laughs> so Sorry, oh, there he is. Let's, let's bring it back on, and he can – there you go, Kelly. Tell tell Susan how she can get out of jury duty. <laughs> oh, how to get no, out? I mean, not that I think you should. I mean, it's a civic duty, but go ahead. Um, okay, here's how you get out of jury duty. Um, and by the way, what stage are you in? Are you in, have you survived or dire? That's jury selection. I just I just filled it out. That's all I've done. They haven't sent me my number to call in, and it's only for a week. But I have. To work as I told them. I said, you know, I work, and at my age, I need every penny I can get, and I have no one that can fill in. So they weren't very sympathetic at all. No, that's that's but not an excuse, according to them. No, well, well, I told him, guess what? The judge is going to take me into his home. I get to live with him since I will not be able to pay my bills, so he'll be giving me his address only. He just didn't know what to say to that. And I will tell him that, too. You watch me. I will. Well, here's here's another way to I get I drink out. a here's lot a... of water, so if there's a I stay for a trial, I'll be getting up every hour on the hour to go to parties. So you know, it's too bad. What are they well, going to do? Here's... They say anything? Uh, I'll, I'll I'll put this. Here's a technique for you, and I'll give you about a ninety percent probability of getting off of jury duty. Um, <clears throat> you just stand up and say, um, <clears throat> let's see, I'm trying to think of the court case. Um, instances and shine on the on the prerogative of the jury to disregard the judge's instructions and invoke their and vote their conscience. Duncan versus Louisiana. How about Chief Justice Harlan Stone, 1941? The law itself is on trial just as mad, just as much as the cause to be decided. You want a few more quotes about jury nullification? Oh no, says the judge. That's enough. You're dismissed. That's a surefire way for you to get off the jury. Okay, prerogative to ignore the instruction. You said? I, Your Honor, I can, I can disregard all of your instructions and vote my conscience. Jury nullification, going back to 1680, the famous Bushel case uh, where William Penn was tried and the king wanted him dead. And Bushel said, no, I'm a juror. He's not guilty for saying something bad about the king. That doesn't deserve a death sentence. And I will invoke my right of jury nullification. I will invoke my conscience. I will not violate my religious practice of keeping a clear conscience. You want another court case? Uh, Summerlin versus Stewart. Ring versus Arizona. Yeah, I can do this. If he doesn't kick you off by then, because um, he's going to have to, because he doesn't want the other jurors to know about jury nullification. I actually wrote a flyer. It's kind of cute. How to get out of jury duty. You cite one of these quotes that I have from court cases. And you keep doing it, and you keep doing it, and you keep doing it. And they bring in like 70 people, at least in my county they do, and they whittle it down to 12 and three alternates. But if four or five people start saying this and they realize, oh, I can get out by just saying this line on the flyer, 
they get out of jury duty, but the jury itself gets informed about jury nullification. Or you could say, hmm. well, Your Honor, Thomas Jefferson said, uh, he wrote to Thomas Paine, I consider trial by jury as the only anchor ever yet imagined by man by which a government can be held to the principles of its constitution. That's jury nullification. If you keep saying these statements, by that time, if you're not off, I'm going to be surprised because the judges will freak out. They will freak out. I don't want to be. I don't want to be taken out. I I don't want to get off of jury duty. I want my viewpoint to be in that jury box. I want someone who's a conservative. I I kind of agree with that. Mm -hmm. I, I want. I want to have a say in in the matter. You know, I want to be able well, to. Well, if I didn't uh, to work, that'd be different. But I I can't hire mm-hmm. anyone. It's just me that cleans the houses. So mm-hmm. that's the way life is. Mm-hmm. Um. Um. Well, well, Susan. Hey, Robert. Let's do this. Hey, um, Robert. If it's okay with you, Susan, that Robert sends me your email, and I'll send sure. you the flyer, and you can study it, and you can just start reading the quotes. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. No problem. Because what they're going to do is they're obviously right now they're not listening about financial hardship. Um, but no. if you end up on on juror seat number seven or nine or twelve or whatever, and the, the, both sides are going to ask you questions, be it the um, prosecution, is it a criminal or a civil trial? Oh, I have no clue. I just have to report for jury. I have to call in. And they'll tell me whether I have to come or not, which, and sometimes it'll be a day or whatever. You never know. You might get a trial the last two days. Usually, I, in Ada County, if you're on, you're in the jury pool for a week. Okay. Well, there's a, a do you good have chance, a doctor? I mean, do you have a doctor that you know very well that could that could you know, like certify that? <laughs> well, you, I'm uh, terrible. I just have a, have a doctor have for a physical like school. Problem. <laughs> I have a chiropractor and a doctor. Here's the thing that's hard to do. Hard. To, um, what Kelly's talking about is sort of the second tier. Um, it's very difficult. Um, I would say virtually impossible to get out of at least going down to the courthouse and standing there and waiting to see if they call your number. It's after they call your number um, and you have to go in for an interview. That's the point where you could use his strategy. But I don't okay. see that there's any way you have a, a way out of that first call where you have to go, when they call you and say, you be here at this is such at such a time, I, I yeah. I'm not sure there's any way of getting out of that um, other than a doctor's uh, report or something like that or I'm out of town, you know, or something like that. Oh, I could postpone it, but that's, you know, and it's, um, I'm going to take in two pillows because I can't sit without cushions if it's hard seat. So the line where they inspect you, they're going to have me bring pillows and water and my own lunch, and <laughs> they may not they may not be too happy with me. I, I like I told the guy, I said I've already they aren't going to be happy when they see me coming through because I was the one that uh, they said they needed to see my knee brace. And there was no way I could pull the pants over the knee brace. So I started unbuttoning my buff. My bra was showing. And I said, next will be the pants. Because you want to see the knee brace? You're insisting upon it? I have no way to do it but to take my pants down so you'll see my naked butt. And he said, miss, you go right on Oh, my gosh. 
care. I don't care. I was going to do it. I didn't care. And if they tried to arrest me, I'd said he ordered We're not even in Bard's Logic I, after dark yet. We're talking about naked butts. I'm telling you. So here's a moon's ass Have you ever heard the song by Joe Nichols? Uh, the tequila makes your clothes fall off. You never heard that? Yeah. Okay. I've, I've heard of the song. Tequila, yeah. Well, we have lost it, so it's here on Bar's Logic. And you hang the keys on them, the hook, and they wear them around the neck. One guy took my thing. I had sent everything through. And he started looking through each key individually at a time. Each one. Even though it was hanging on my neck. I said, you know what? You really believe I put a bomb in each one of those keys? And everybody <laughs> said, are you serious? You used the word bomb in the courthouse? I said, you bet. I had everything well, to hide. He handed me the keys back. Wave me on through. Is it against the law like, to say the word bomb? <laughs> yeah, I know. You can't just say that. Yeah. I did. I love that meet Thank the parents um, skit where I, I love the meet the parents scene where he's standing there in the airplane and the guy's and and the guy's saying he's 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 made some off comment you know joke about a bomb and then the guy says you can't say that I can't do that you say I can't say bomb 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 oh my god <laughs> that was an awesome scene and then yeah then he gets- well, you know what? I think this is a good uh, it's a good segue before we get uh, too deep into Bard's logic after dark. Uh, how, what would you call this? Uh, a pre what, uh, Kelly? You're usually pretty good at that. You like the premature trumpulations and stuff like that. What would you call this? This is a pre before Bard's logic after dark. We'll have to think of something for that. <laughs> uh, but I think this is a good uh, a good segue into well, the next well, clip about uh, truth and the and the truth about the radical Islam. Okay, well, let's look uh, before we do that. The United States has already dropped some yeah. some food and water to tens of thousands of Iraqis trapped at the top of a mountain who had to flee the militants. So can the United States stop ISIS before the militants completely overrun Iraq? And most importantly, from this perspective, what should the U.S. role be here? Joining us to discuss, CNN Crossfire host Newt Gingrich. So, Newt, I really am interested in getting your take on not only the president's statement, but also the action the president decided to take last night. Well, let's start with his statement, which is, frankly, a little confusing. Why? Well, if he doesn't want to risk American lives, he can pull them out of Erbil. I mean, there's no obligation to sit in Erbil. Uh, So so he's trying to find a hometown, gosh, I have to do this, all of us patriots have to rally together. Uh, We're not going to risk American lives. the tragedy of where we are, and this is not about President Obama, this is about President Bush, it's about President Clinton, it's about where the country's been now about radical Islamism, probably, for, probably since 1979 when the Iranians seized the American uh, embassy. Nobody wants to tell the truth. The truth is, this is a radical Islamist group. They say openly, if you don't convert, we'll kill you. It turns out they actually mean it. There's no, no complexity. They're exactly like Hamas. Hamas says openly, we're going to kill every Jew. That's a direct quote from two weeks ago. We will kill every Jew. Uh, The difference is that ISIS is gaining power, and they're doing exactly what they said they would do. Uh, And I think this is, if you go from Boko Haram in Nigeria all the way across the region, what you see is a radical Islamist force 
Nobody in the American State Department, nobody in the White House, not just Obama, but for three or four administrations, we have not had the courage to confront how bad this is, and it's getting worse. By the way, yesterday there were, there were ISIS forces in Lebanon occupying a town in the middle of a fight with the Lebanese army in northern Lebanon. They're in Syria. They are recruiting people in Europe and the United States. Uh, they see themselves as a worldwide fight. Uh, and so the president says, we're going to stop them from getting terrible. Well, what does that accomplish? Well, I mean, what, we, is, either, what is either your we prescription? That's, I, what do you want to see? Do you want to see combat troops on the ground? What are you saying? No. I, I think that we should be arming and training the Kurds who are very reliable. We should be arming uh, the traditional tribes with whom we had very good relations uh, back when we were in Iraq. We should be providing air power in a massive way. We should be uh, hunting down ISIS anywhere it exists, whether it's in northern Syria, it's in Lebanon, or it's in Iraq. But our goal shouldn't be to stop ISIS. Or our goal should be to destroy ISIS. This is a radical, anti-human organization. Do you not that think, gonna... Knut, that you can accomplish that with if, if you went really big on airstrikes, that you can accomplish that, taking them out? I think, if, I think if you train and equip Kurds and you train and equip traditional Sunni tribes and you, and you ally yourself with everybody who wants to defeat ISIS, you will, in fact, defeat ISIS. But the goal should be clear, just as it should be in Gaza. The goal in Gaza should be the defeat of Hamas. Because Hamas means what it says. It wants to kill every Jew. ISIS means what it says. Well, you can't coexist with a neighbor whose stated public goal is to wipe your family out. Well, we're talking about how to accomplish, right. how, how, what to do to accomplish that goal on the ground. But then you also have a problem here at home. You've got lawmakers last night, by and large, came out supporting the president's move. Some saying it is not enough, as I'm hearing from you. But you also have an American public. We've talked about this sure. before, Newt. They are war-weary. They have no appetite to be going back in, no. to be throwing everything at it, to take on, uh, to start, not say, they're not saying they're going to start nation-building again, but to, they don't want to go back in. What do you I say to the American I, public? I don't blame them. We've just had 12 years of war that accomplished almost nothing. You're seeing that in Iraq right now. You're seeing it with Hamas right now. Until we have a national strategy and we have an open, honest conversation, the president couldn't even honestly describe ISIS last night because it goes against his ideology. So he what do you mean? How is, he, how is he misdescribing it last night? ISIS is a radical Islamist organization dedicated to wiping out everybody who's not prepared to convert to Islam. It has a very clear religious background, just as Hamas does, just as Boko Haram does. There is a war against Christians across the region. Uh, and the fact is that we have got to be prepared to be honest about this. We should be the ally of every rational, moderate Muslim. But we should understand with people like ISIS, this is going to end up sooner or later being war to the death. And what the American people deserve is a coherent strategy that gets us to a decisive victory and the minimum use of American troops and the maximum use of other kinds of American assets. One thing that, of course, comes up is the question of, is this mission creep or looking at it from the other side, is this not enough? I want, in, in answering those questions and kind of exploring that, you also, when you commit to something like this, you need to be prepared to answer the question, then what? Has the president answered yes. that? No, and, and look, there's, there's a passion for some reason, particularly on the left, with this idea of targeted strikes. I remember doing this at one point in the Balkans when I was speaker. Mm -hmm. And so I don't understand what the term targeted strikes means. If ISIS is as, as evil as I'm describing, and I think it is, as the Pope has described in calling for humanitarian intervention, as everybody seems to describe <coughs> in, in looking at what it's doing, then 
we should be trying to defeat it everywhere, not saying, as the president said last night, boy, if you send a truck towards Herbal, we might kill it. Well, what about the truck that's sitting, you know, two miles away with its engine idling, waiting for us to, to not pay attention? I think either this is serious and we should figure out how to win, or this is not serious and we should figure out how to get out. And as I pointed out, he could pull the troops out of Herbal, and he just eliminated one of his two excuses. There's, there's no reason we have to be there unless it's part of a strategic purpose. How does the political turmoil that's also happening on the ground in Iraq, how does that play into this? Because there is a possibility we're hearing that, you know, we could, they could get a new prime minister in the, in the coming days. Does that change anything, in your opinion, on how the U.S. approaches this? Yeah, look, I think Maliki has been a disaster, just as Karzai has been a disaster in Afghanistan. And I think that's the reality sometimes of going into countries like this, that you end up with a leader who is either very corrupt very dishonest, uh, trying to do make sure his faction wins at the cost of everybody else. We don't have a very good doctrine, frankly, at the State Department for figuring out how you cope with people like that. Maliki's been a major problem for the last three or four years. Yeah. Uh, hopefully he'll be gone, but that won't solve the problem. I mean, you now have an ISIS, a, a, a cancer that is spreading in the region, and a cancer that is recruiting in Europe and the United States. But do you agree with the president's statement, though? And he said this to me when we sat down early on in this, in this latest crisis, when we talked about this, and he said it again last night, there is no American military solution to the larger crisis in Iraq. Do you agree with him on that? No. And the reason I don't agree with him is that, that his idea that there's a political solution is a fantasy. That's my point. How are you going to have a political solution with Hamas, who wants to kill every Jew? How are you going to have a political solution with ISIS, which wants to kill everybody who refuses to become Muslim? Uh, ultimately, these are forces just like Nazi Germany. But he's saying it's up, up to Iraq. They, they need the ones to well, deal with this ultimately. Look, I, ISIS is now in Iraq, Syria, and Lebanon. Uh, it is recruiting in Europe and the United States. That's, that's my whole point. You've got to see yeah. this as a worldwide fight, not a locality-by-locality locality neighborhood brawl. Dude, it's great to see you. Thanks for coming Good on. Good to see you. Talk Thank to you soon. You. All right. Well, there you go, folks. And that's one of the things that, obviously, after hearing uh, Newt is what Gingrich is going to need uh, for – not Gingrich, but Trump's going to need to help him out with what we're dealing with ISIS. Um, now, of course, you know, a lot of folks are, you know, going to want to hear about, you know, how we're going to close off the borders to Muslims, things of that nature. Uh, I think, you know, that in part uh, is a good idea uh, to do that. How we could find out whether they're Muslim or not. Well, we can, um, instead of saying, well, Muslims, you know, we just hold off people coming from Islamic nations. Uh, and I think we have a pretty good idea of what those nations are uh, and put them on the list and not accept any refugees or uh, even immigrants at this point, I think, there. Uh, unless they have some type of sponsor from someone already living here in the United States who is, you know, <laughs> a citizen and, and perhaps also not of uh, Islamic background. That might sound a little extreme, but hey. But let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Kelly. There's something you want to clarify uh, with Susan. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, Susan, first of all, highly unlikely you'll get picked. Um, because they bring in. <laughs> That's a good thing. I mean, not, nothing personal against you. It's just a numbers game. They're going to bring in, I don't know what your county does, 50, 60, 70 people. And uh, <clears throat> 50, 60, or 70 people. So that's like, what, one in five chance, 20% chance. And then even if you do get up on the jury seat, like number two, number three, number seven, I was number seven once, and they dismissed me over lunch because I knew about jury nullification. 
Um, I actually did this, what I'm talking about with you. I actually did that, and they got rid of me as quick as they could. Um, but both sides, the prosecution and the defense in a criminal case, or the plaintiff and defendant in a civil case, they will um, both ask you questions. You know, let's say you're juror number three. Juror number three, what do you know about da-da-da? Or do you think you can be unbiased in your decision? Or they'll ask you some other questions. They'll ask you personally. That's when that's when you take the moment and say, look, I just got to tell you something. I'm going to judge my conscience and start citing some of the things I just mentioned. So they – and your employer can't fire you for jury duty. There's laws in that about most of the states. Well, I'm self-employed. Oh, then you can sue your employee or employer if if uh, you get fired and and win a lot of money then. <laughs> I can. Uh, my employer is my. Son. I know, but you can you can sue yourself for a million, and then you. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I'm, being, I'm being silly. Okay, but I did I did want to just you know not to take up any more time tonight. Um, but if uh, you're open to it, I could send you the flyer email. I would just need your email. Oh, Robert yeah, can, definitely. Yeah, Robert can facilitate that for um, both of us, and we can. But I, I'll bet you, if you start saying stuff from the flyer, the judge is going to scramble as quick as he can, or she, the judge will scramble as quick as they can to get you off the jury. <laughs> yeah, someone else suggested that actually is in my group, too. Um, during the application, but I wasn't sure what to say. So um, that, well, here, here, that's good. Yeah, that I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm just, I'm a little excited as this opportunity presents itself. But here's another aspect of this: in that, as you're saying all these court cases, and you're alerting the entire entire jury pool that you can get off a jury, um, that that they can judge their conscience. You've educated the jury closer to justice and liberty, even though you get off of jury duty. I don't think they're going to want me either if they happen to find out. Uh, I'm going to pull my little thing this week or next week of going into Target and going into the men's restroom. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to go into a men's restroom. Well, yeah, you're allowed, I I guess, maybe. What? I guess you're allowed. I mean, yeah. you know, I guess if yeah, I put a wig on, uh, I can't even fathom doing something like that, to be honest. Why can men go in the women's, but we can't go in theirs? Too bad. I'm going. No, I don't <laughs> mind when we go in but, you know. If they say one yeah, word, I'm going to say, lawsuit discrimination against me. So I want to be a man today. That's right. I've got men's clothing to the pants, so I've got a shirt and i got a hat. And, you know, hey, expect the unexpected from me. <laughs> Crazy you woman, know? that's what i say. And I will reiterate, folks, we are still not in Bar's Logic after dark. Okay, we're not. Okay, okay. Well, in Ohio, it is dark. We're, we're at... Uh, it yeah, is dark. It is dark. Well, <laughs> oh, oh, by the way, Susan, did I ever tell you that... Uh, I think I have more of an excuse to go to a woman's uh, bathroom because I'm a lesbian. I like women. I just do. I'm obsessed. Yeah, with that's true. Them. I am a lesbian except <laughs> in a man's body. So that's why I can go into a woman's bathroom because I'm a lesbian. Yeah, I am a lesbian. I'm except in a man's body. 
That's funny. Yeah. All right, well, since we're not in After Dark, <laughs> and Robert's getting on easy, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> he wanted to know about Senator Ted Cruz, right? Well, you, I mentioned yes, to you. So here it is. He suspended his campaign, but he's having second thoughts, apparently. He said, Yeah, he I heard something about that. Bid for the White House is the right circumstances to provide a path to which he would develop. So he said, I didn't see a viable path after the Indiana loss, but we will accordingly. And this is from which site? I think I had a couple, but this is. Uh, oh, shoot. Yeah, send that um, to me if you want. WorldNet Daily. WorldNet Daily. I get a lot of stuff from WorldNet Daily. I love them. So yeah, Cruz, yeah, Cruz definitely send that to me. That's ridiculous. It's like, dude, you can't be backing out, you dork. I mean, yeah, I mean, does he have the right to do it? I mean, I have to admit that yes, that he he does have he does have the right to do it. I will give him that. You know, however, you know, what did you think? He, 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 I don't know. I guess he's you know thinking that perhaps in a a broker convention. I I don't know. Well, hopefully Bernie goes. But he won. Bernie won again. Yay! <laughs> go Bernie, go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he I did. Know, uh, yeah, he did win uh, West Virginia. That is true. I do not I want happy. Bernie Sanders. I do not want Bernie Sanders to get to get the Democrat nomination. I think he'd be harder to beat than than Hillary. Oh, because you think of all the young folks in that. Yeah, he's going to be well, on the ticket. He he, he is going to be that. on the ticket. I just well, I heard a discussion on that today that um, I'm not so sure he will be. But regardless of that, I would not want to see him as the nominee because I really think he'd be a stronger candidate candidate against uh, Trump. If if uh, it's Hillary on her uh, own. Uh, with whoever she picks next to her, um, I think that she's going to lose a lot of people um, that are anti-establishment, and they may go over to Trump, the Trump campaign, just because he's anti-establishment. Um, so I think I think it could could really go a lot better for the Republicans if uh, it's Hillary against Trump. Well, World Net Daily said, screw it over, create havoc, go to California, register as a Democrat, and vote for Bernie. So I'm not the only one who feels that way. We hate her. We absolutely hate that murderous, lying, treacherous bitch. So we don't want her. You know, I'm sorry. I I can't cheer for her in any way, shape, or form. Well, now, I Tim Webb, for her. I just wondered to be the person that Trump goes up against. Mhm. Yeah, I'm reading that article. I'm reading an article. I mean, it's just just and incredible. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me. And I mean, it, and it's his, you know, right to do so. But uh remind me of something somebody else posted. Uh, Darn it! The other day, and I've and, and I've seen it. It was actually about uh, you know Cruz's Cruz and 
Glenn Beck and how they've got a link to some some kind of uh, some kind of funding. Maybe I put that on. Uh, maybe I put that on Bard's Logic. I, I, you know what I did actually. You know what I did. I did send me a message. I messaged it to myself because I was, had my phone, um, and so I, that's the only way I can send me links. Oh yeah, here you go. Let me let, let me do that. I'm gonna post this on Bard's Logic too. Um, let me go ahead and copy and paste this and put it in. So go to Facebook, go to the Bard's Logic Political Talk Facebook page, and here's the article. And you will find this interesting. I'm publishing it right now. Um, and here's the article. Let me get bring this back. Oh, I already have it. It says, developing... Tucker Carlson exposes a link between Never Trump, Ted Cruz, Mark Levin, Glenn Beck, and Red State. And this was on May 1st. It says, Tucker Carlson's Daily Caller website just dropped a bombshell political, bombshell political report about the nexus of finance between Cruz, Levin, Beck, and Eric Erickson, most vocal critics of Donald Trump. The war against the Donald is all about money. On January 13th, Ben Jacobs, in an article published by the Daily Beast headed Pay to Play, noted that Politico, in an article that now appears to have been scrubbed from Politico's website, reported on how the GOP establishment seeks to buy Levin. The Senate Conservatives Fund, CSCS, a conservative, in quotes, fund uh, founded by former Senator Jim DeMint, of South Carolina that backed Cruz in a Senate fight against Obamacare spent $427,000 to buy copies of radio talk show host Mark Levin's four-year-old book, Liberty or Tyranny, to distribute to donors. A purchase that should have earned Levin, or that should have earned Levin approximately $1 million in royalties. Despite his many diatribes against Trump broadcast to his national radio audience, Levin hid the fact that the son of his fiance is a full-time staffer for Cruz. Glenn Beck rolls in cash from Cruz supporting Super PAC. GOP establishment political operatives David Barton not only runs Keep the Promise, one of the most prominent pro-Cruz Super PACs, he also serves as the chair of Glenn Beck's Mercury One charity. So the next time you see Glenn Beck on his knees proclaiming that Ted Cruz is the anointed one, deemed by God to be president of the United States, you might ask yourself if God also deemed Barton to put at Beck's disposal the millions in super PAC money he can funnel for Beck. So as long as Beck continues to sing the Ted Cruz tune, Eric Erickson gets $3 billion to support the resurgence. Yet even these political horrors do not top conservative Eric Erickson, founder of RedState.com, who funds his media venture, The Resurgent, with super PAC money from the Ricketts family of Wisconsin, big backers of Governor Scott Walker's, who incidentally endorsed Cruz. So as they say, folks, follow the money. And it looks like Levin, Cruz, and Glenn Beck, and Red State all seem to have some money links. So that does not surprise me. And yes, Carolyn, I appreciate the, your agreements on that. So 
thanks for bringing it up because that was an article that I wanted to make sure I played today. That's or, a great, or, or, that's or read a great today. Article. That's an awesome article. That's more people ought to do that. You know, more people ought to be out there following the money. You know. Well, and you did that with with, <clears throat> with Kasich. If you if you know, we talked about that about yep. a week or so ago. Mm-hmm. And you know, speaking of Kasich, yeah, we were following the money with Kasich too. And uh, I just want to point out to people they are still harping on Kasich's poll numbers. Um, and I want to point out that these are not really poll numbers. What they're measuring and comparing is negatives. Everybody's negatives. Now, when you just look at the you know, Clinton, Clinton, Trump, Cruz, they all have the highest negatives. And and you know what? It's because they're in the news more, and they are at the top, and so the person at the top is going to get attacked. Kasich has never been at the top. He's never had to deal with um, people attacking him and uh, pointing out his negatives. Um, there's not a lot of information out there. I looked for this inf- I found information on Kasich that that led me to believe that he was a uh um a, a GOP elitist a long time ago. Robert, you'll remember when when you used to talk about him because you're from Ohio and I and mm-hmm. I um I started looking into him and uh what I found was that he was just a, another uh elitist. He's a he's a GOP establishment can- candidate. Um, yep. And because of that, and, and because a lot of people know that, um, he did not get very far. He kind of got as far as Bush did, you know, except he just kept on. Bush, you know, Bush stopped when, the, you know, when he was embarrassed enough, you know. Kasich mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty much what Kasich, it was. Yeah, Kasich doesn't get embarrassed, apparently, so he stayed with it longer. But anyway, um <laughs> Um, these are these are negatives that they're dealing with, and so of course you're going to have more negatives um, if you're being excoriated in the press, uh, and if you're being excoriated by all the other candidates, you know. So Kasich's hardly been mentioned, and no one has any need to to look into him, right? Until mm-hmm. they start they start you know talking him up in all the faux news interviews and everything, every time an establishment guy comes on there, whether it's Rove or Raul, uh, Paul Ryan or whether it's uh, Vince Priebus, every one of them over and over again, at least once a day, I hear him saying, Kasich's the only one with poll numbers that could beat Hillary. Well, I'm sorry, but that is not true. They are going by completely outdated information they're going by um, nefarious um, strategizing is all it is. And so um, I hope that people don't get – I hope that people are smarter than that, that, that they can see through all that. But anyway, um, I, I, I'm still worried about this. Uh, convention. When you see Ted Cruz refusing to endorse, when you see – uh, Paul Ryan refusing to endorse, and then Ted Cruz says, 
well, there, I'm not going to give up my chance. I'm not going to promise that I won't um, get back into the race. Um, you know, when, when I hear all these statements, it, it just tells me, uh-oh, they are still strategizing. Mm-hmm. They are still frantically looking for a way to stop Trump. Um, so we can't relax. There's no way we can re- relax and, and just right. let it go. We have got. Well, you're not going to like this one, then. You're not going to like this oh. article. Fix this. Oh, fix this nation. Um, Hillary is now in the market for donors to help her win general election, and she's been making rounds of calls to top Bush family donors to try to convince <laughs> them she represents their values better than Donald Trump. She does. She may get some. She knows she could be inviting a backlash from Bernie because he's been hitting her about being a Wall Street puppet. Um, Mm -hmm. It will cement the feeling she cares much less about a progressive agenda than she does about becoming president. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. they couldn't find any Bush donors who would admit giving support to her. But Renaissance Technologies, a hedge fund, donated millions the Ted Cruz campaign was now funneling political donations to Hillary. She has a network of donors in common with Jeb Bush. So ideological differences hardly matter with what the establishment mm. wants. So there you go. Yep. So I'm sure you're not happy. Well, that's, that. that's, just, yeah, that's just more proof to my point that that's, they're all in it together. And, and the oh, thing yeah. is, I, Certainly. I, fully believe, I fully believe that now, now I'm not going to say I fully believe because I'm still, I'm still going to leave that tiny little window opening, open, of trusting Trump. I I won't be able to trust Trump completely until he's been president for about a year or two, and I see what he has done with the conservative agenda that he claimed he had. Um, at that point, I will tell you that I think Trump is wonderful. Um, up until then, I have to leave that little window open. But this is just one more reason that I, one more piece of evidence that I go by that Trump is who he says he is and no more. Because the um, <clears throat> he's he's new money. Um, yes, his dad. Yeah, was, that's a good way of putting it too. Yeah. He he was wealthy, yes, but he was not he was not of the type of um, George Soros mm-hmm. and all the guys that are at the top. Um, and he was not, you know, part of that uh, traditional elite people that, you know, go, cru- cruise around in those, you know, those circles, you know. So I really think that he, he is uh, outside of the Beltway. I mean, really outside the Beltway. That's why he has to buy his way in all the time. That's the reason he has contributed to Hillary's campaign and and uh, uh, Obama's campaign and Pelosi's campaign and whoever's campaign that he thought he could get some some traction with. You know, he 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 has no uh, political power on his own except for when he spends his money, and I think he came to resent that. He came to realize that uh, he was a, just one of their contributors and not actually a player. 
and I think he decided I want to be a player. And uh, I don't want to just give my money, and, and I don't think that that's the way it ought to work, that people have to pay to get their voices heard. I mean, look at all of us out here that are just barely making it by, and can we get our voices heard? Not unless it's at the ballot box. So, um, and I think that there, I really do believe that that was a, um, that was something he was not happy with living with. He he was not happy with having to buy his way in uh, with his influence. So anyway, we'll see what he's going to use his influence for if he ends up president. Um, and we'll see whether he, you know, was just some kind of a... Uh, uh, the Manchurian candidate, you know. Right, but I was going to say something, you know, something quite like that. I mean, I don't think so. I mean, if if it is, why would, you know, because I trust Newt, you know, and if, if Newt is willing to be the guy's VP pick and the guy's been kind of, you know, behind him, you know, pretty early on, then I, I think he's going to, he's what the people, the voters uh, think that he is. I mean, I mean, I mean, and, look, and here's an example, and this is one of the reasons why. Okay, we all know, at least most of us here, you know, who are, are the regulars and folks who uh, have listened to the show, we know what the RNC and the, you know, Republican establishment did to Newt Gingrich and the so-called conservative media did with Newt Gingrich back in 2012. And yet, when there's people who thought that, you know, maybe he should go third party, right, or at least he couldn't run because of, um, you know, sore loser laws or whatever they call them, um, but he could actually head the movement up. He didn't. What did he do? He was loyal to the party. And so I think that, you know, if he indeed, you know, saw, you know, knew Trump as a um, Manchurian candidate or something of that nature, I don't think he'd throw the support behind uh, Trump that, that much if that was actually the case. I mean, because the one thing Gingrich did show, and much to my chagrin, I'll be honest, and you guys remember that in 2012, is the party loyalty that he showed even after what they, you know, how they, what they did uh, to his campaign. I mean, there's people who, you know, from the, you know, campaign for, Romney, you know, there was infiltrators, you know. I mean, we, you know, we've got enough evidence to at least be able to speculate that that happened. Um, just what we've seen, especially with the, you know, communications folks and things of that nature. Uh, you know, so we know there's definitely some chicanery going on. I mean, I've got an audio clip. I think I still even have that where they lied in New York saying that, you know, Romney was the only person that could be voted for. And we, we know that, that wasn't true because Gingrich had not even yet uh suspended his campaign. You know, so saying saying that um um Carson was out, Carson. you know. hmm Right. Right. So it's not it's not above them to do that, you know, or below them I should say, uh for for them to do something like that. Yeah. So no, I mean well, I listen, Robert, it was, I, I got to go. Uh, people are sleeping in my house now. They have to get up at like 3.30 in the morning to get to the airport. So um, I'm going to get off and um, get myself quieted down in here. Um, but y'all take it on and do a good job, and I guess I'll see you next Wednesday. 
We definitely, and we're looking uh, forward to having uh, Christy Timmons uh, on next Thursday. Uh, I mean, not Thursday, Wednesday, as uh, she wasn't able to. And yeah, we'll and we'll see how far we go to the uh, extended period, uh, which is in about eight minutes. Actually, it was almost exactly when I said that eight minutes. Um, as I said, I know I've battled a uh, literally migraine the past five days, so it's, it's kind of got me a little wiped out. But we'll see how far we could go. We just have uh, plenty of audio, but I appreciate the. Coming on, Cindy, and uh, if you haven't, you know, yet emailed, uh, you mentioned other places you put the petition. You know, I'm sure you got a, a pretty good email list there. Uh, email the link out to folks who think would uh, be on board to, to sign it. Your... I'm sorry? My email list is not my email list is not all that cool. Cool. It's mostly my Facebook <laughs> list is the long one. So. All right. Well, 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 well you know, you send it this way. Hope you're doing well. Good night, Cindy. Night. Night, Sue. Good night, Cindy. Bye. Take care. Bye. Night, night. Bye. And it looks like uh, uh, Carolyn from the chat has to go as well in a few minutes. And uh, well, I appreciate that, Carolyn. Yeah, uh, I may or may not uh, take tomorrow off from work. I, I, I probably cut off work four, two time, four times in the last two years. Uh, so I, I don't do that very often. Um, so, but if I can drive, I'll probably find my way into, into work tomorrow. Uh, but if not, we'll see. I, I know it could use a little R&R, but we'll see, but I really appreciate it. And I want to wish you a good night, Carolyn. And definitely I appreciate the, you for sharing the, uh, the link for the podcast and the petition and I'll definitely get that out to your, uh, people on your social uh, media as well. And so take care. And as I said, we got about seven minutes we're going into, uh, the extended period, what we call uh, Bard's Logic After Dark, which, as you heard earlier, folks, uh, it looks like we delved into that a little early this evening. Uh, so maybe uh, it might be full-blown by the time they uh, get uh, it gets there. Uh, maybe not. But anyway, so one of the things, um, you know, we, we want to, you know, say go on. And there's another audio clip I want to play before the end of the uh it's not quite the end of the night, but at least the end of the, the live portion, is this is what the New Gingrich has to say about America. And that's one of the things we don't really hear anybody talking about anymore. Uh, Trump was the only one who came up with, let's make America great again. Uh, and, of course, you know, Hillary Clinton's trying to make a spin off it, saying, well, America's already great. Now we just got to bring America together. Um, now, of course, there was all that hope that Obama was going to be able to do that. But I think after Obama, we've been more split than ever. Uh, but let's go ahead and hear what uh, Duke Ingrich has, has to say about America. America is magic. That's why cynics and academics and Europeans and others never quite understand this. And we're magic because we really do believe that we can be a city upon a hill. We really do believe that we have been endowed by our Creator. And that isn't an act of arrogance. It's an act of humility. Because it means we have a responsibility. We are people who have been placed on this planet with the opportunity to extend freedom all the way to every human being. We care about people so much that if there's a tsunami in Indonesia, we're there. If there's an earthquake in Turkey, we're there. If there's a hurricane in Honduras, we're there. Part of us has a tear 
every time a child is lost anyway. That's why if you watch our news, we, get, we pay such intense attention when children are lost. Because every single child is a child of God. We've gotten off on the beach here. And we've done this before, ministry. And we're in a little bit of a mess. And we've had a weak period of political leadership. And we have bureaucracies that think they're Europeans and that we're only subjects and they can order us around. And we have judges who are alienated and think that they actually represent some international worldview superior to the Constitution. Uh, and we have a news media that reflects the academic world and the academic world that reflects the fantasy of the left. And so all those things come together. And we have some problems. We are the wealthiest, most extraordinary society in the history of the human race. At this very moment, we are the largest economy by a large scale. We are capable of pulling away from China as decisively as in the 1990s we pulled away from Japan. We have the most powerful military in the history of the world. But we have to come back to grips with a decision about who we are. And what I would say to every young person here tonight is, you're at the edge of a revolution in scientific knowledge that is going to liberate you in the next half century fully as much as any generation of Americans. I'll close with a person I admire a great deal that Cliff and I did a movie about, Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan was born when he had horse cattle. When we went out and filmed the movie, and we were at the ranch, I saw it, and the ranch is very small, 1950s style. I saw this picture of the wall that I'd never seen before. It was Ronald Reagan in the 1930s in a U.S. cavalry unit. Not from a movie, but from an Army Reserve unit. Reagan was in one of the last horse cavalry units in the U.S. Army. As a reserve officer. He'd grown up. He was born before motion pictures had sound. He went to Hollywood when Technicolor was brand new. He evolved into television which had not existed. And he spoke to the nation about the explosion of a space shuttle and the death of a teacher in space. All in one lifetime. And so he believed that you ain't seen nothing yet. And I would say to every young person here tonight, we will be back. We will rebuild the country we love. And we will save the country. You ain't seen nothing yet. And that's one of the things we were talking about. Okay, let's do this as music at, uh, at that point, folks, uh, so if I can get that over for you. And that's what we were talking about, in, you know, in, 2000, in 2012, uh, when we were supporting Newt Gingrich as the president. It was Mark Prasic, uh said, we lost to let, you know, the, the opportunity to have a national treasure to be our uh, President of the United States. Now, while it's, that opportunity in its fullness now, uh, where we can have uh, Gingrich as our president, uh, we could still fight for having Gingrich as our vice president. Uh, so that's definitely something, at least in my opinion, to uh, work towards. Uh, because, you know, for years, and you've all heard this, especially for the Republicans out there, as you know, you know I used to be a Republican in 2012, now I'm a, an independent. Uh, but how many years, how many elections have they said, we need another Reagan, we need another Reagan? 
Well, 2012, we pretty much had our best opportunity uh, to have another Ronald Reagan and Newt Gingrich uh, to be the you know the president in 2012. And now again, we have a Reaganite uh, who can at least be the, you know our vice presidential candidate. And so, and I and I think that you know things are, are starting to come to a fore uh, for was uh, redundant, but coming to a head for Hillary Clinton uh, when it comes to her, her different scandals, uh, such as her email scandals. Uh, so we'll see, you know, more about that as things go on. And, and there's just so much that, you know, Trump's going to be able to, to throw at her. I mean, even now, uh, the, the, the most recent polls are showing that they're getting closer and closer in, in the polls. And I think once he really starts, uh, you know, putting things out to the American people about Hillary, um, I think it's really going to bring her down. I mean, I, I, I've had, you know, at this point, I've never had as much confidence that, that Trump could beat Hillary. I think it's getting, uh, you know, the opportunity for it's getting larger and larger. I think Trump uh, picking Gingrich as his running mate uh, would definitely increase that amount. I think it will help unify not all of the party. I don't, I don't know if all of the party get unified uh, behind him, uh, but I think a good deal will because, you know, a lot of folks I think is, uh, Cindy pointed out, and I can't remember if this was off the air or on the air, uh, where she pointed out that, you know, a lot of the people who were Gingrich supporters that supported folks such as Ben Carson, uh, Ted Cruz, uh, you know, there, and uh, Rand Paul. And a lot of those folks, uh, if Gingrich will be on the ticket, I think it'll, it'll get those voters uh, to, you know, go ahead and, and come aboard. And then I think, uh, you know, at least I hope that, you know, a lot of the other Republicans who otherwise like, oh, I'm not going to vote for Trump, think, listen, folks, if you don't vote for Trump, you're going to get Hillary Clinton. And I think there's a lot of, uh, and rightly so, uh, almost hatred uh, from Republicans of uh, Hillary Clinton. And let me tell you, if you didn't like Obama, she's going to be a third term of Obama, you know, guaranteed. Uh, so we do have a couple other folks on the line. Uh, if you'd like to chime in, just push the one on your number dial. Unfortunately, at this point, no other folks can call in uh, because we are officially in the extended period for what we lovingly call Bard's Logic After Dark. Uh, so just uh, push that one button, and I will get you into the show uh, for the last hour. Uh, and so let's go ahead and, and bring things back around. And so first we'll go uh, over to you, Susan, because, of course, it's different to the ladies. And then get over to you, Kelly, and then myself. And then if anyone else uh, on the line like to chime in, just uh, push that button. Go ahead, Susan. And, boy, let me tell you okay. something real quick, Susan. That uh, that link about Levin, man, it's, it's it's really taken off on Facebook. Let me tell you. Go ahead. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people are pretty shocked. I read, I, I read that, and I was just like, Wow. Now, here's another shocker. 50% of Bernie voters will pick Trump over Hillary. That is civil war from the Tea Party organization. So um, if he doesn't get it, they will vote for Trump, apparently. Well, that might be part and parcel why uh, Cindy would not want to go up against, uh, you know, him as pick. And I don't think – and I don't think he would pick Hillary Clinton – and I don't think Hillary Clinton would uh, play second fiddle to anybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. I understand. But I still can't help going and cheering for 
Bernie over her. I dislike her so much. Oh, I can't and, stand her. I mean, if I if I had to, if I had to vote between Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton, I'd I'd vote for Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Not Hillary Clinton. Would? I'd vote for for Bernie over Hillary. Oh no, I'd no, I meant I'd vote for. Uh, I misspoke. I I, vote, I would vote for Bernie Sanders over Hillary Clinton. <laughs> well, I mean, he does have some. I mean, he's been against the TPP. He's against NAFTA, CAFTA. He votes for auditing the Fed. He does have some gun control more so than her. And so there is some, he's against the Dark Act, as I said before. So there is some good stuff about him. He rates, I think, with the American, or the Birchers, they have that one poll they put out uh, at 20%. Now, that doesn't look good, but she's at about zero. <laughs> so... Um, <clears throat> He's higher than some of the Democrat senators and stuff. So uh, he's got a few good points. And I think if you have – the main thing you have to work, do, no matter who it is, is have a conservative, true conservative Congress because they will hold the feet to the fire, you know. And um, that's, that's how I look at it. you gotta, you got to look at your local races. you got to look at your – races for the federal government and everything. And we've had some, even Michelle Bachman voted for, um, oh, what was it, uh, the Patriot Act. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of uh, Jeff Flake, you know, a lot of them. They don't know what, they don't even begin to comprehend what the Patriot Act is. Not at all. <clears throat> and And it's amazing to me how many, so-called quote-unquote Tea Party people are actually ignorant of certain things. So that's about it. And Kelly, so let's go ahead and uh, bring it over to you, bud. Well, when I, uh, last fall, I was taking a friend to the hospital and I saw this Bernie Sanders on a bumper sticker. I'm like, what? what? Did you see that? He looks at me like, yeah. Like, what? People actually believe in this guy? And I have yet to see a Hillary 2016 bumper sticker in my county. And I got this lady friend named, she's in Santa Cruz, which if you know Santa Cruz, it's the last outpost of the 60s. Very liberal. She hasn't seen. I asked her the same question. Like this is like in March. Have you seen any? Uh, actually, not any. February. Um, I say, have you seen any Bernie? Have you seen Bernie Sanders in Santa Cruz? Oh yeah, I've seen him all over. All the wrong parties are going for Bernie Sanders. I'm like, what? And then I says, well, have you seen any Hillary bumper stickers? She's like, no. It's the weirdest thing. Uh, the candidate with the most. With the least the candidate with the least amount of bumper stickers, is all of a sudden getting all the delegates. What the heck? But obviously, there's some passion that um, Bernie Sanders has aroused in people, and it's working for him. Now, Bernie outsider. is he, an outsider. Is, go ahead. He's an outsider, just like Trump. Bernie Sanders. Yeah, he is uh, an outsider. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, he could be. Well, he could be. 
he he absolutely could be, and in, in, or at least he projects that image. Obama was one of the reasons why he won is because he was an outsider, right? Oh yeah, yeah, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Mm-hmm. I know Black. a guy in Texas. Black. Yeah, he voted for Obama because he believed he was an outsider. But anyway, um, so uh, Bernie Sanders is picked by Hillary as the VP. Uh, that's a little bit frightening because uh, Trump's not going to get that that block of voters, which, by the way, 60% going for Trump times 50%, you know, we, we just call it a split between Hillary and Bernie. 60% times uh, 50% is 30%. So if that so happens, we're talking 30% right now. Um, okay, let's be a little conservative here. 15% of Hillary's voters are going to go for Trump. Bam. I mean, Trump's win- Trump wins. Uh, that's pretty. That's a pretty uh, amazing situation. And by the way, on one of these shows when I was just goofing around, I said, "Yeah, I'm gonna vote for Hillary. Yeah, let's get the revolution started sooner." <laughs> Man, I'm tired of this uh, frog in the oil thing. Let's just let's get it obvious and let's make it happen and let's get Hillary and get the revolution started. And then we'll okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> so. Yeah, the oh, fans. Yeah. Well, they, well, here's the thing: is they thought, you know, my gosh, if Obama got uh, elected for a second time, there'd be, you know, some sort of, um, you know, revolt or something of that nature, and then that didn't really a revolution, or whatever. That didn't really materialize. He wanted to fundamentally change America. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, it would help if you were like actually raised here, like oh who. Oh, Trump is raised here. Gingrich is raised here. Ron Paul is raised here. Rand Paul is raised here. Da 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 was raised here. But we got some guy from outside of the county, and we had what do we have happen here? We're at war with Muslims, and we elect a Muslim. Oh, because we're so socially accepting, and we're so into social justice. And yeah, in the history of the world, I'm sorry, the Romans are laughing at us. I mean. You know, they were at war with Greece. We better be Final careful. Security. We're going to be going. We're going to be going the way of the Romans. Let me tell you. Wow. So the Romans would be laughing at us that we elected as president um, a foreigner that we're at war with. I mean, why don't the Romans just go ahead and elect a Greece, uh, a, a Grecian Caesar? Oh, wait. Let's go back to the Greece. Let's go to, back to Greece. Um, so they would be laughing at us. Why? Because it's equivalent to the Greeks electing a Persian emperor. Yeah, they were at war with Persia for how many decades, and finally Greece. Uh, uh, hundreds of years. Came, yeah. So you know, seriously? Oh, but we're so socially accepting. Aren't we great? We're just one well, such wonderful social justice warriors, and we're just everybody is equal. And it, it, look, the Constitution. Um. Does the will of the majority while while protecting the rights of minorities? It is an absolutely stunning thing. And by the way, yeah, Romans and Greeks, of, they, the, the Romans a lot and of Greeks, playing around or something back there. So let's whoever's doing that, they can stop that. I appreciate it. Go ahead. Okay. So so you know we're, 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 our constitution has done something. I mean, yes. Uh, bring forth the will of the people, but protect the minorities at the same time. The Romans and the Greeks believed that people were born to be slaves. And so you had a class. Oh, you're the slave class. Oh, you mean nothing, you know. 
And what's, what's kind of bizarre is, is if you read the Bible, uh, the Apostle Paul was arrested, put in jail for quite some time. And nothing was happening. <clears throat> he was sitting in jail, sitting in jail, writing all these wonderful epistles that he wrote to the different churches. And, and he's waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally he says, um, by the way, Jalen, I'm a Roman citizen. What? Oh, what? Oh, what? I mean, they freaked out. And I'm appealing to Caesar now. What? Oh, my gosh. I mean, you appealing to Caesar? <clears throat> he actually made it before Caesar. So <laughs> what, freaked, what freaked the people out that were jailing him was, oh, my gosh, I just thought you were a Hebrew and a slave, and you were a second. Oh, by the way, there were slaves, Hebrews, and Romans. And Romans were like, oh, gosh, you Hebrews, we don't know what to do with you. You got your own laws. You take your business. That's fine. We don't care, except for the death sentence. You can't do it without us. But you're still a second-class citizen. You're not a slave, but you're a second-class citizen. When the Apostle Paul called, pulled the uh, trump card of uh, I'm a Roman citizen, oh, they freaked out. So in this country, we have something different. You just say, uh, I'm an American citizen, and it doesn't matter if I came from a poor neighborhood or a wealthy neighborhood. Well, who I know, it does not matter. I am a citizen, and we have these rights. And so guess what? Oh, goodness. That's what a constitution does. It protects the rights of even the accused. Our sheriff said this at one of our local tea parties lately. He said, well, even criminals have constitutional rights. Duh! When did you get this figured out? Why didn't you say this like a year ago? I had more support of you. I mean, I've known this for years. It's kind of mind-blowing. A criminal. Oh, wait a minute. He's not a criminal yet. He's only been arrested. He hasn't been tried. So he's not even a criminal yet. He's called the accused. So how can you call somebody a criminal when they haven't been convicted? So wait a minute. So even criminals have constitutional rights? Okay, Sheriff Lopey, good. You're getting close. But you still don't have it. Even the, the proper term is even the accused has constitutional rights. Do you understand the fundamental fundamental difference from our country versus other countries in time that have um, classified people as citizen, not citizen? Um, oh, you're a slave. I will just get it. You know, in uh, some countries, the ancient systems, uh, for example, the Vikings, if you owned a slave, and how would the slave become a slave? Because their country got conquered by the Vikings. So how how would you mm-hmm. become um, a, a slave? Well, you became a slave, whatever. You were owned. If you were a Viking and you owned, uh, and other cultures had the same ideology, if you owned a slave, you could rape them, you could beat them, you could kill them, and there was no punishment. In this country... We outlawed slavery oh, over 100 years ago. Um, it, it's absolutely fascinating, this quote-unquote experiment of a representative republic uh, to which even the poorest amongst us, even the weakest, the feeblest, um, the stupidest, um, still have these rights. And a simple document, the law above the government, has put everybody equal. It's absolutely stunning. And I would wish that history would be reminded to the people of how far we've come in world history. And, of course, Newt Gingrich, 
being a uh, student of history, realizes the significance of the Constitution. It, it, okay, stop. Okay, I'm starting to convince myself now of, of the worthiness of the Yeah, we just going to let you keep going. <laughs> <Yeah>. Keep going. <laughs> so, you know, I, gosh, yeah. I mean, I, last week I'm like, yeah, I like Newt, but he's too old. for. Let's throw out the idea that he's going to be the successor president after Trump, and he's just going to serve the country as a VP to help the people. Wow. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, if it's that simple, it's like he's he's a little too old for president. He probably acknowledges it. That's fine. But if he can still help this country in the way that he's intended for years, then so be it, and let him do it. Um. You still haven't me converted me yet to uh, new, new for president, but we're not in 2012. But I'm seeing, you know, I, my respect for you, Robert, and those also uh, who were, who are Gingrich fans. My respect for all of you has really grown. Well, I appreciate that. You know, you know, cause I know, uh, you, know you, you were, I think, uh, you know, Gary Johnson, or at least a libertarian, maybe not so much. Uh, uh, Gary Johnson in uh in two thousand twelve. Um, but definitely, you know, you know, constitution which is of course, you know, very important for us here on the show. Um and one of the things uh, or terms I should say not things, but one of the terms that was uh you know used a lot and I'm sure you remember in two thousand twelve was the term a constitutional conservative. And that's one of the thing. Another thing that the folks uh, were worried about is, like, oh my gosh, he's just going to so disregard. Uh, even a good friend of of ours from the show, I'm not going to mention any names, but uh, it, it was he used to be one of the panelists here on the show, uh, a male. I'll, that's all. It's description I'll give of him. Uh, you know, yeah, I was saying how you know, name. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mention it. Uh, you know, who thinks? Uh, you know that you know Trump is just going to usurp the comp the Constitution. Well, I'm hoping with having Gingrich on board, uh, you know, with him, that that will help uh, help alleviate those concerns. Uh, because one of the things they you know, it's always been touted is that uh, Gingrich is a constitutional conservative. Hmm. Like you know, yeah, that term was that. Yeah, yeah, that. Um, yeah, that term was that term was used a lot in 2000. Uh, in 12, you know, because they're just like, oh, well, you know, Romney's not really a constitutional conservative. Um, some even contended that he wasn't even really conservative. Actually, uh, if, if, you use, uh, if you use Romney's own words, um, Romney actually said that he was a progressive and his views were progressive. Wow. Well, you know, I, I still want to see a debate between Romney and Romney. Between Romney and Romney. Well, well, speaking of debate, this is what this is what a debate. Well, this is what a debate of Newt and Obama would have sounded like. And this is what you know what you'll hear a lot with Newt Gingrich. What uh, the analysis would be of Newt Gingrich having a debate with any of uh, the the Democratic candidates. Tonight, Newt Gingrich, again, I think, uh, did the best. The guy that I'm agreeing with most up on stage is probably the guy to my left. So I would say that uh, Newt Gingrich would be the guy. Actually, Newt has been one of the best of the other candidates. Newt Gingrich showed last night 
why many conservatives believe he is the best person to take on Obama. Anybody who's covered Newt Gingrich over the years knows better than to underestimate him. When Newt Gingrich goes after the mainstream media or one of their reporters, he's going after Barack Obama, and yeah. that's what the Republican primary voters want. It actually got a standing ovation, which is fairly unusual in a debate like this. These debates are part of the reason why Newt Gingrich just won South Carolina. Well, maybe we should go along with what Gingrich wants and have debates without moderators. Why Newt Gingrich? Well, I just think he's got the best economic plan of any of the candidates. Tea Party Nation founder Judson Phillips says Newt is the most electable, and he's also impressed with Gingrich's debate performances. Reagan conservative, uh, grassroots, which is Newt Gingrich. Let's take a look at the extraordinary men and women who make up the 104th Congress, and of course its distinguished speaker, Newt Gingrich. Barry Goldwater handed the torch to Ronnie, and in turn, Ronnie turned that torch over to Newt. The distinction between Speaker Gingrich and President Obama will be so distinct that I think that gives him the best chance in order to be able to get elected president. Newt Gingrich comes out as the big winner tonight. And it's rare that the group almost unanimously picks one winner. Tell me, who won this debate? Gingrich. Show the audience. How many of you were backing Gingrich 10 days ago? Raise your hands. And how many of you thought that he won today? Newt Gingrich would, um, he would clobber Barack Obama in any debate, any forum that had to do with substance when it comes to policy and solutions for the challenges that America faces. Newt Gingrich would clobber Barack Obama. And what I want to do is to make sure that the plumber, the nurse, the firefighter, the teacher, the young entrepreneur who doesn't yet have money, I want to give them a tax break now. And that requires us to make some important choices. Last point I'll make about small businesses, not only uh, do 98% of small businesses make less than $250,000, but I also want to give them additional tax breaks because they are the drivers of the economy. They produce the most jobs. The fact is that more people have been put on food stamps by Barack Obama than any president in American history. Now, I know among the politically correct you're not supposed to use facts that are uncomfortable. Second, you were the one who earlier raised a key point. There's a, the area that ought to be I-73 was called by Barack Obama a corridor of shame because of unemployment. Has it improved in three years? No. They haven't built a road. They haven't helped the people. They haven't done anything. So, one last thing. Yes, sir. So here's my point. I believe Every American of every background has been endowed by their creator with the right to pursue happiness. And if that makes liberals unhappy, I'm going to continue to find ways to help poor people learn how to get a job, learn how to get a better job, and learn someday to own the job. Justin scrambled uh, cheering, uh, but boy, wouldn't have that would have been, you know, a debate of uh, the, the end all debates uh, back to 2012 if we could have only had that. But however, uh, we can look back and, and think that 
guys, that would have been great, and, and, and we do, but now we can look forward and get this petition out to folks where they can sign it. We can get it to the uh, right folks. I think we could hit that thousand mark and get it on that uh, front page of that uh, that site or that paper that uh, Cindy was talking about. I think that'll get uh, even more folks to sign it, so we could get it over to uh, the right people uh, to get it to Trump and get it to Ben Carson. So we could go ahead and hear a debate between Newt Gingrich and whoever what Yahoo uh, that the Democrats are going to put up uh, for uh, their nominee, including. If uh, the vice presidential candidate is going to be Bernie Sanders, I mean, frankly, I can't think of anyone else, frankly, who Hillary Clinton would pick. I mean, I know we don't follow the Democrats much, but Kelly, do you do you know? Can you think of anyone seriously other than Bernie Sanders that uh, Hillary, barring if she don't get uh, you know arrested at some point uh, throughout the election, which was a possibility, and I, I think they. Uh, Trump Gingrich campaign really should uh, put that forth during the campaign. Uh, but besides Bernie Sanders, who else do you think would, could be on the list for Hillary Clinton to to have on there? Oh, so now we're going to pick on Hillary Clinton. We've never done that before. <laughs> um, <laughs> so who would Hillary Clinton have as a vice president? That is the question. Um, let's see. Oh, of course, there's Joe Biden again, which would be interesting. Um, there could be, oh, some Democrat government, governor from some state who's being prepped to be the next president um, after Hillary. So we have a governor somewhere, I don't know. I'm thinking position more than specific names. Um, a Democratic senator, Al Gore, sorry, you can't, no, that won't work. Um Al Gore, no. Okay, some senator, some 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 out of you know some very affluent, amazing uh, Democratic senator or congressman or governor, or oh, I know some amazing, stunning, unbelievable uh, business person from from yeah yeah yeah, uh, absolutely amazing corporate world. Um, stunning George Soros, um, maybe? No. <laughs> yeah, like Soros. So, some amazing businessman can be the vice president. Yeah, yeah. And wait, no. The Democrats hate business. Uh, also, they don't hate business. <laughs> they just don't like business that makes too much profit. So, okay, that was that was a brain fart for humor. Okay. Um, <laughs> Trump, I could see him uh, um, bringing some business person who um, – some president of a company or something that's done stunningly well, having the VP kick. Um, not the best because you got to understand the ropes of the ship. We talked about that and how sailors like their um, captain to know the ropes of the ship and come up from amongst the ranks. So um, Hillary, 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 vice president, who would she pick? Let me imagine being um, Hillary Clinton. Thought number one, divorce Bill Clinton. That would be the best thing for America because he was a slut. Um, no, that's you. <laughs> no, she can't do that because that would ruin her political career. Okay, I am in the mind of Hillary Clinton. Um, Flash, you know, um, there's a movie with John Malkovich. It's called Being John Malkovich, <laughs> where you go in an attic and you become John Malkovich for 30 minutes. Anyway, boom, I'm in Hillary Clinton's mind. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got a grand jury subpoena. 
Oh, okay, sorry, I can't do that. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm, I'm back in your mind again because that was too heavy to handle. Oh, goodness. How do I become king? How do I... Um, where's the ador? Where, where are the hors d'oeuvres? Uh, um, surveying still give me the hors d'oeuvres. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm hungry. Oh, wait, no. Back to politics. Sorry. Being Hillary Clinton. Um, <clears throat> you got to watch that movie, Being John Malkovich. It's just freaking funny. It's just, it's just amazing and humorous. Um, but all right. Uh, I'm trying to get into Hillary Clinton's mind. I was telling you last week about Trump. I don't know the mind of Trump, and he's so unpredictable that uh, we have no idea what his VP is going to be. Uh, we can speculate, we can motivate, we can petition, we track, but we don't know. Hillary, I don't even want to get in her mind. Um, I have absolutely no idea who she would pick as a VP. No, I, I mean, I honestly, I mean, I don't either. I, I couldn't tell you who. Um Who that would be? What about you, Susan? You got any idea other than uh, Bernie? Other than Bill? <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be a hoot? Well, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah Bill. <laughs> well, I mean, she could pick him. I, I, I don't know if there would be stipulations he couldn't become president. But, um, well, Harry Reid or any of those top Democrat Chuck Schumer. Um, yeah. Okay. Chuck Schumer. Yeah. He, he's he's a top dog there. Um, Jim Webb, she wouldn't, because he used to be a Republican. So I don't think she'd pick him. Um, he was in the race, you know, running. So I can't see any of the ones that ran against her, other than maybe Bernie. You and can I'm tell Webb was. A, you said oh. Webb used to be a Republican. Yeah. Yeah, him's the guy in the beginning when I watched the Democrat debates that sent, that uh, sounded like he made the most sense. But you know, that, that, that answers it. Go ahead. Um. So, who's some of your top senators that are uh, or governors that are Democrats? Um, we can think of some rhinos she would pick. <laughs> that wouldn't be hard. <laughs> yeah. You know, but um. That would yeah, be the Democrats my thought. Were to do that. What? Yeah. Oh, uh, I, I, you know, I can just see what I said. You know, her husband, if she yeah, could find Schumer. a legal way. Yeah, Chuck Schumer might be someone because he's from New York too. So um, that's uh, Jerry Brown. I don't know. He's crazy. Uh, Bloomberg. Mayor Bloomberg. Red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag. Oh, red flag. Gary Brown, hell no, no way, no how, not this lifetime. <laughs> well, they have had their clashes, but still. But the mayor, is either mayor of New York is just crazy enough that with their ideas that agree with her that she might pick one of the mayors of New York. I keep hearing a rooster. Hmm. Am I dreaming? A rooster? Yeah, something crowing. <laughs> oh, no idea. Okay. Maybe, <laughs> we, maybe we've gotten maybe we've gotten hacked. But hey, we do got. Uh, I think we have John on the line here. Uh, so let's see about opening up uh, his mic. Uh, John, thank you very much uh, for 
for uh, listening to the show, yeah. and let's hope that cock, I mean, that rooster stops uh, doing what it's doing. Go ahead, John. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I think that uh, Joe Biden has done too many terms to enter that game again. But there is rumor that a Democratic congressman from Texas named, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Joaquin Castro, is kind of a buzz for Hillary's VP. Castro, well, I find that interesting, too. <laughs> one, of, one of the concerns I have, too, for all of you Trump fans is I think why Kasich and, and Ted Cruz suspended their run is they figured, well, hey, if we suspend our run, then all of Trump's people will just think, well, he's the only one running, so they won't go vote, and then they will end up in the convention because there will not be 1237 delegates for him if he doesn't get all the votes. But he said that. Yeah, I thought about that, too, but he took took the the Nebraska, he took Nebraska and West Virginia pretty handily. I think he had, like, 60% 60% in Nebraska and like 70% in West Virginia or something like that. Yeah, well, I noticed, I heard in his, uh, that one little rally he had, he said, oh, you guys can just chill out Tuesday since I'm the only one now running and whatnot. Well, I think Yeah, he Manif- probably shouldn't do that. Yeah, I think Manafort got to him and said, hey, no, because I heard later he was sending out tweets and information through his Facebook or something to tell people to go ahead and vote. And I'm like, dude, yeah. if you want to win, you want to win, you've got to still kill it. And right now it's a better way for him to kill it because if everybody thinks Cruz and Kasich have dropped out, they're like, well, hey, I sure don't want Hillary and Bernie to win, so I'm going to go vote for at least, you know, uh, Trump. So they would still show up and he'd probably get more votes that way, so. He'd just definitely seal that twelve thirty seven in, and there'd be no mm-hmm. question. Right, you hit the nail on the head there. You know, and, and I think at this point, if he gets California, it's over. I mean, if he wins California, I think he's going to get the he's going to have the twelve thirty seven. Yeah, I think he only but needs like one hundred twenty eight now. Yeah, I think uh, California is like one hundred seventy two or something. I'll have to double check on that. That's yeah, true. there's That's a couple more I states, am. including California. It's 178. Oh, it's 178. Okay. Thank you, Kelly. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. And so, yeah, and, you know, we're here, and, you know, I'm sure you're looking at Facebook and things of that nature where, you know, uh, gosh, I wish I would have saved this post, but someone made a, a great point Uh you know, about, you know, why new, you know, and some folks are saying, well, he's got to do a minority, he's got to do a woman. I, I really do think that if, if he was to do that, then people are just like, okay, well, he's just trying to triangulate, he's just trying to get, you know, this you know this type of vote, you know, just trying to bring those voters in. And, I, I mean, I really think the noise that the Democrats would make if he was to have a nominee as, as such, uh, I think would take it, you know, just take away any, Significance of, of of having that pick, regardless of how genuine it is. I still think that if uh, Hillary is up to her eyeballs and in James Comey alligators from their investigation, and Bernie mm-hmm. gets to, and he's not challenged by anybody else because you know Biden 
it may be too late for him to even try to get back in and try to compete against Bernie if Bernie's the last one standing. In that case, see, I'm still concerned that Bernie's going to end up being our president. That would be awful. But I really don't think the America citizens would really vote in a socialist. I, I, I just really don't. I mean, I, mean I, I do have those concerns, too, a little bit. Um, I, I think I, maybe I have too much faith in the American people, but uh, I just can't see them electing a socialist, and I would be totally stunned uh, if that was to happen. I really would be. Well, Robert, here's, here's my reasoning, and you might recall me bringing this up on a previous show before, too. Think about it. Look at our tax structure and the way we treat corporations and these big businesses and these George Soros's and, and Mitt Romney's. Even, even Donald Trump, when you look at the tax policy and all the rebates and the subsidies and the grants and the givebacks and all this and that, they have socialization, socialism for their gains. They get to privatize them, but their socialization comes in. They get to, you know, write off all their um, losses to social to the taxpayers. So a lot of these young kids growing up today, they've grown up in the information age. They have access through the Internet to almost any kind of information they can get their hands on. They might not be wise in a certain sense, like Newt Gingrich might be wise, but they are full of knowledge and information. And so, therefore, they're thinking, well, hey, man, if the big wigs at the top, are able to get, you know, one, you know, 14% tax rate and get all these give backs and, you know, special deals with subsidies and tax grants and credits and write-offs and blah, blah, this. They got socialism, so why shouldn't we have socialism? Because, I mean, they get to write off almost everything on their, um, it's not only necessarily a write-off, it's a give-me-back because some of these programs, you know, like Solyndra and, Tesla, they're all getting favors and stuff in one way or another, and they're getting their money back. That's how Mitt Romney had the lower tax rate than most Americans. These wealthy people have socialism already. They get to privatize their gains, and they get to socialize their losses. So these young kids are not stupid, and they've grown up in this information age, and I'm concerned that they're just saying, hey, well, if it's good for them, we might as well have it too. And let's talk about uh, real quick. You got a real quick uh, audio here uh, with Newt on uh, ABC uh, this week. No, it wasn't this week, but that's the end of the program. Uh, talk about the the widening income gap since we, we brought up, uh, you know, in a kind of off way. <laughs> brought it up, but it's, I'll use that as a segue. And whoever has that damn Brewster crowing, mute your your mic, mute your phone because I'm tired of hearing that cough crowing. So. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> is that you, Susan? I know. I told you I heard one, and you sang a laugh. Okay. 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 That's that, that me. You? I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm playing Did chess you? against Microsoft. I'm trying to get 55 uh, wins in a row against the um, actually 100. And. It's um, when I put the computer in check, it makes that little sound. Da, 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 da. <laughs> well, it sounds like a rooster. That's not. That, 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 I was it gonna does. say. I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna say uh, Kelly, quiet your rooster. But uh, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll mute. Okay. 
<laughs> I appreciate it. And let's go ahead and, and, and hear from, uh, uh, let me find that audio. There we go, on the widening income gap. And, and let me ask you, uh, Mr. Gingrich, Speaker, um, when, when, you, when you look at that issue of inequality, and this is something he's put front and center, the Pope has, it's something, of course, that President Obama talks a lot about. We saw the story about homelessness sure. in New York, stark reality of, of, of the gap in, in, in the nation's biggest city. Is this an issue that Republicans should be talking about? Absolutely. I mean, how, how can you justify the level of wealth in those big towers in New York City? Right. And the level of poverty in those alleys. And we're not talking about government. Say, surely a society that cared, that believed every person was endowed by their creator with the right to pursue happiness, would come up with a better solution than 22,000 children that are homeless. And, and I, think, I think that the Republican Party has an obligation to rethink some of its indifference to the very poor. And I think the Democrats have an obligation to ask themselves, after 50 years of the war on poverty, isn't it clear the government is not a very good... Well, exactly. Wait a minute. Hold on. Public policy actually does make a difference. Mr. Secretary, uh, the, the war on poverty, which next year we are going to celebrate 50, the 50th anniversary, uh, in addition to the Civil Rights Act, the war on poverty was successful for a time. What has happened, however, over the last 30 years is that much of the... Uh, much of the ardor, much of the concern, uh, much of the, uh, the what propelled that war on uh, on, a, on on poverty uh, has dissipated. years of President Barack Obama, we see the the issue, the problem worse. Well, the problem is worse. I think it has something to do, perhaps, with the intransigence of the Speaker's party. Because every time there was a jobs bill, every time there was an effort to expand a low-income housing, every time there was an effort to provide better opportunities for young people, we're talking about equal opportunity. Equal opportunity is at the basis of this. this. What is baloney? Here's the baloney. Every major city which is a center of poverty is run by Democrats. Every major city. Yes. Their policies have failed. But they're not willing to admit it. And the fact is, it's the poor who wait, suffer from that. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> so we gave it to them there. Uh, I mean, look, I mean, and look what's going on in uh, you know Detroit. Look what's going on in Michigan. Uh, so I, I definitely you know say that there's there's a point there. Uh, now I do say there's only about um, well not even 15 minutes left before I have to close things out. Probably you know, definitely less than that. Maybe about uh, 10 before I got to close things out. So uh, so that everybody could get uh, you know a decent amount of time and also rush them for their their final comments, uh, and maybe we'll have time for one more just to top things off with an audio. But I do want to have uh, – be able to get – you know, give you plenty of time to do your, your, your ending comments for tonight. Um, and so let's go ahead and uh, bring it to you, Joe, John, and then Susan and then Kelly. And then if there's uh, some time left, perhaps I'll play a short clip before uh, closing things up tonight. Uh, but first, let's go ahead and, and get some closing thoughts for this evening. Go ahead, John. Oh, I'm just grateful that you are doing so well with your show, Robert. I hope everybody gets out and lets everybody else know about it, and we all start learning from each other on a, on another level, because in my humble opinion, the only way forward is united, because either you know, united we stand or divided we fall. And the only way to go forward united, period, is for us to feel like we all have a right to decide for ourselves, self-govern 
ourselves. And that's why I keep pushing this mutual assent issue on, on governing. But uh, at the same time, I wanted to ask you, when you just were talking about Michigan, are you talking about the current Michigan situation with Flint or how the Detroit um, governors and stuff of the past screwed everything up? Because the current governor, you know, he's dealing with all the Flint, Michigan water toxified stuff, and it sounds like the Republicans, you know, screwed the pooch on that one. Well, I'm talking about now Flint in some cases, but you know, even uh, before that, and most of not the you know the economy, uh, especially manufacturing uh, in Michigan. You know, the economy there, in Mich- you know, in Michigan, namely Detroit, and then of course, yeah, yeah, Flint. I mean, it's as, as Duke pointed out, you know, it's, it's government. He said that you know where you have that try to be the answer, and it's not. Uh, so yeah, so the Republicans have you know uh, some blame in that as well. But I was speaking more of the of the economy, but you know, Flint is your is your is your and your right is in there too. To me, the economy and everything works when we all mutual assent. That's how we get limited government, and that's how we move forward as a United States of America. Because when we all are in agreement on how the rules work and how the processes work, how the procedures work, and you know what the valuable consideration and you know, the freedom of contract, freedom of association, freedom of conscience, then we all move forward together in in more harmony. But when we use this divide-and-conquer two-party system and then the rule by oligarchy nonsense, it just leads to destruction because it's little by little lesser and lesser or fewer and fewer people are the rulers. And, And this stuff about representation well, if they're not truly advocating and represent you in a true fiduciary trust relationship, then it's all a scam. But anyway, I yield the floor. Well, I think that's a good. Well, I think that's a good segue uh, into uh, our show for next week, where we'll have Christina, uh, like Christina Simmons. We'll have. Uh, oh man, I just had a brain freeze there. <laughs> She's going to be on uh, from Free and Equal. Uh, we'll have uh, her on next week. Uh, to talk about, you know, multi-party systems, representation, uh, ending zoopoly, things of that nature, where I think, you know, that would be better uh, to, you know, alleviate, you know, a lot of the things you're talking about through uh, starting from the ground up and, you know, the grassroots up. I think that's going to be the way to, uh, I think, address a lot of your problems. Uh, and that's Christina Tobin. Uh, so, boy, I get two Christinas with the T at the last name. Um, but we'll have Christina too, but I think you'll really like her, uh, John. So I'm uh, excited with you, giving, you know, you having the opportunity uh, to speak with her. And so, we'll, yeah, we'll talk about the representation, multi-party systems, uh, breaking duopoly, and starting from, you know, the grassroots and the, the more local level uh, with politicians and then working your way, uh, working your way up. And so let's get, you know, what I mean, work your way up is, you know, first get your, your local politicians with the different parties, Constitution Party, Green Party, things of that nature. Uh, and then, of course, you know, once you get, you get yourself to the state legislatures and you find yourself uh, in the U.S. Congress, also, uh, you know, Senate, things of that nature. But let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Susan. Go ahead. Hmm. Well, I like what he said about trying to hang together. Um now, if we don't hang together, we um, 
flying separately, but still, I'm I'm not sure what I'm going to do when the election comes around. I just, you know, it's really up in the air for me. It, you know, I don't know about Trump. I'm not saying I will vote for him. I'm not saying I won't. Um, I I really feel too bad that I really like those three constitutional candidates that came to Boise. Nice guys. The one from Texas that was a minister. Awesome. I mean, they oh, have yeah. messages in it. It's just really too bad we can't get these parties going because there's better people really, truly, you know, bringing in a lot of these parties. It makes me sad that we can't, mm-hmm. you know. So I don't know. It is what it is. Yeah, and it's, we just have to. it's definitely stacked against them, that's for certain, right. Well, and, and that's another thing is, you know, I would, I'd like to get uh, – you know, some people, you know, who have multi-party systems, such as folks who live in Ireland, uh, might have to do a special show during an earlier part of the day and then just uh, play the interview with them on a podcast, uh, just for the very fact that uh, Ireland's six hours ahead of us. So it's going on 1 o'clock in the morning now. Could you imagine if we were to talk to people there, it's going on 7 o'clock in the morning uh, there in Ireland. And so... You know, we are, you know, still hoping to to do that. Uh, I did have some feelers out. Unfortunately, I've not heard uh, anything as of yet. Uh, but, you know, I've got, you know, a couple of people working. That's probably one of those things going to uh, work on. Another thing I'm going to be moving back to is trying to get uh, Pat Buchanan on the show. I did talk to one of his uh, gatekeepers uh, not too long ago. And unfortunately, he's, you know, we had the next couple of months. Uh, busy, but we are looking to see about possibly having uh, him onto the show in June. Uh, so we're working on that, and I know Kelly's working through some folks to possibly get, um, you know, some folks on, uh, including Gary Johnson. So we'll work on uh, that, and I'm I'm still working on trying to get uh, Jill Stein from the Green Party on, so we can get you know just uh, different flavors from different uh, you know political parties and things of that nature, but. We'll see if they'll uh, come on. Uh, I think if once they see all the folks we've had on the show, uh, I think we've got a, a, an impressive list uh, for that. Hey, and uh, yes, with Susan referring to the J.R. Meyer, Scott Copeland, and Patrick Ocander that you yeah. had in well back. Yeah, well, you yeah. know they're they're the Constitution Party, and they just a few weeks ago right. they even announced it on here that they picked Daryl Castle as their party. Um, nominee. So you might really? want to get with Daryl Castle. Yeah. It was on, remember yeah, I, I don't even it think was it was on, part of the debate. <laughs> it was on C-SPAN. They announced it. And Oak Andrew Weird. dropped out. Scott Copeland Interesting. was really good. Yeah, I didn't know that. Who yeah, was really good? Constitutionparty.com. While we're talking about presidential announcements, um, I have to tell you my recent uh, announcement. <clears throat> I'm, I'm running for president of the Locked National up. Jewish Hog Farmer Association. <laughs> really? Why didn't, I, why didn't you ask me to be a guest on the show? I mean, I'm running for candidacy of the... National, the, the president. Uh, remember uh, back in the day when you first came on, I did interview you on the show about your book, The Hidden Fourth Branch. Yeah, 
Yeah, but I see. I wasn't running for president then. See, I'm running for president for the uh, National Jewish Hog Farmer Association. Wait, maybe I said it. President for the Jewish Hog Farmer Association of America. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm running for president of that position, and I'm the only candidate. Well, no, we, yeah, we can we, we can interview. You have some questions on that, just like I considered back in 2012 joining a, a new political party that came out which was the Bacon Party, and I figured, how can you go wrong with a candidate from the Bacon Party? I mean, seriously, folks, it's Bacon. I mean, <laughs> how, how can you go wrong with Bacon? And so, of course, there, you know, there's, there's the, the elephant, and then there's the eagle, and then there's the um, you know, donkey, and now you have the pig uh, for the Bacon Party. And so that's definitely something, uh, you know, a, a party I considered uh, – joining well then there's the other option of none of the above none of the above yes i'm running for president of the none of the above party what it's like mixing beer with ice cream it just it just doesn't work that's not too bad actually but uh no actually (laughs) there's that new stuff that someone made a uh a, a root beer float from that it's not just your it's not your father's root beer i know i didn't do it but someone i heard I actually made a, a, a root beer float using the – it's not your dad's uh, root beer. Uh, but anyway, uh, so, Kelly, if you guys uh, want to continue with your final thoughts, then I'll have to, unfortunately, close things out for tonight. Let's see. Trump, unpredictable. We do know Ben Carson is the chair of the uh, cabinet selection and, you know, VP, of course. Um, Hillary – Vice presidential candidate, e. I do not want to go into her mind because I would jump out immediately. Um, oh, this is what I'd love to see. This is my final thoughts. Okay, I'm sorry you're making me a convert to Gingrich. I would love to see a, a VP candidacy debate. Okay, so Hillary picks, this is the imaginary scenario. Hillary picks Bernie Sanders. Trump picks Gingrich. We have the VP debates. Oh, yeah. I would love to see Gingrich debate Sanders because he would chew him up and spit him out. It would be like 10 ways past Tuesday. It was like, just seriously? Seriously? I mean, it would be like. Oh, yeah, he'd destroy Sanders. uh, Yeah, it would would be like taking a pea shooter to a (laughs) gunfight. Yeah. It would it would demolish them. And with that, folks, yeah, uh, let's look forward to uh, to seeing how our you know our petition goes. So definitely, if you have not already, uh, sign the petition, or you can uh, after signing it, share it, and then on your Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, emails, uh, so that we could get uh, to those marks that uh, we'd like to uh, get to. I'd really appreciate that uh, if you did it. Um, also, of course, share the link for tonight's show so other people can uh, listen to it. And if they are not as familiar with Gingrich as we are, uh, they can hear some of those audio uh, as well. And so, of course, we are looking forward to next week having Christine Tobin on, from, who is the founder of Free and Equal, who did do the third-party debates back in 2012, uh, which we did simulcast that, I believe, uh, which you can find in our podcast in our archives uh, back from 2012. So check that out. 
And so, uh, and also, of course, check out the Bard's Logic Political Talk website. I do have a few updates on there, uh, namely, uh, you know, emailing out the show and the, uh, and the tweet. Uh, but also, uh, but you could check out the right now. It's Bloomberg TV. We may go back to uh, Newsmax uh, TV on there on the video page. Uh, but also, you have the Bard's Logic Newsroom, uh, where you'll find a number of articles. Uh, check that out. Uh, so there's uh, some great information you can get uh, from there. And so we'll close tonight, as I do every night. And that is by the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by one, listening to my interview of her back in 2012. Uh, and also, you can go to hear more of her music, her, more of her music at www.aubrey, that's with a B, aubreyashburn.com. So take care, folks. Uh, we will see you next week, and let's get that uh, petition going. Thank you very much, folks. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. And I can't get my audio. There we go.